Hello and welcome to episode 162 of Flicks in a Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the sound of yeast, Alessandro Bialsi. Say hello, Al. It was Agatha all along. <laughs> On this week's episode, what we're watching, triple news grab bag, and we give a beloved actor the thuckle treatment. Other news oh. and nuggets to follow along with our flick of the week, Sound of Metal. But first, Al, what are we drinking? Who are we thuckling? <laughs> More on that later, Al. <laughs> oh, sorry. I didn't uh... <laughs> And we're not thuckling someone. We're giving them the thuckle treatment. Um, it's different. Tomato, tomato? <laughs> tomato, potato, my boy. <laughs> tomato, potato. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, uh, we've never thuckled a person before, so sure. I was a little bit thrown off. Um, sure. By the way, my intro was from two weeks ago when we were supposed to record. <laughs> it would have been a little bit more pressure then, although it seems like it's kind of really caught the world by storm. But it, but it couldn't have happened then, right? Oh, no, we did know then. Yes. And that was, was the, the end, end of the previous episode. episode. Got it. Yep. Yep. So anyway, we're drinking Bolero Snort Breweries. Leaf Cattle Battle. Um, what's this on the side here? Brewed and canned by Bolero Snort Brewery in Carlstadt, New Jersey. I don't know why. That was just a confusing bunch of syllables there. Yeah. It's a um, clunky. It's a clunky set of words. Yes. Uh, this is a false spiced milkshake IPA. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> How old is this? <laughs> it's old. It's a... Uh, it, ooh. I was going to say it's from the fall... There's a small chance that it's from last fall. Well, I was going to say, you definitely gave this to me in October when I saw you for Oktoberfest. Okay. Or maybe for Carly's birthday, which was in quick succession. Those were a few weeks ago. Sure. Maybe maybe it was then. Okay. Um, This is an India Pale Ale with vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, allspice, and clove. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's got a delightful smell. Yes, I well, I it was effervescing something interesting at me when I first poured it into the glass. You um, betcha. It's five point seven percent alcohol by volume. No little story, but this is um, this is definitely interesting. It's quite the cartoon, as there's at least three different cows slash bulls with yep. different versions of leaf blowers blowing autumn leaves at each other. Right, and the the one that is uh, running off screen uh, is he being attacked? I believe he's under attack by the leaves. Which one? The one on the right side of the can. Is he running off screen, or is he in a power I'm stance? Sure. Oh, it's a great question. I don't no, know I think I think you were right. I think he's running off screen. Maybe I think that yeah. big plume of leaves were blowing at him too. I think he felt like he was ganged up on, but he does look like he's having a good time. He looks like he's laughing while running. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. Uh, the <laughs> BS logo is pretty cool. The BS logo? Yeah, I like with, that. With the hoop between the two and the, yep. long, the longhorns coming out of it. Yeah, it's nice. Nicely done. The little little upside-down hop decorations. I, I like didn't it. see that. Where is it? Uh, oh, yeah. In between the words. It's nice. Little hop, little, little, uh, hop cones. Oh, and the 5.7 and the one pint, it comes in pints, are hooves. I thought they were... 90 degree inverted Pac-Man. Pac-Man. <laughs> Is that a Pac-Man? <laughs> it's actually short for, for Puck-Man, but they uh, changed it. Uh, yeah. Because people right. kept scratching off the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's give the sucker a taste, shall we? Yes. Not old at all. Not old at all. Cheers. Why is there no... It's like the glass is made of plastic, but it's not. I assure you. Well, I think also you're hitting it with a closed lid made of metal 
which is that's definitely- true. But I expected like a, a little bit of a res. I guess because it's so it's so full. There's that too. I also wonder if because there's no opening at the top of the thing you're hitting it against, if that's taking away some of the resonance. Could be. Oh, nice. That is um, that's well, definitely a full beer. A lot going on in there. Yeah, there's a lot going on in my mouth right now. It's all those flavors that they mentioned, but not not in a subtle way. You know, all of those flavors are having a battle in my mouth the way that those cows are having a battle with the liquor. Yeah, it's an autumnal assault. <laughs> Please call me that next week. <laughs> oh man, we are fans of alliteration here. Mm. It is pretty like tasty. This. It's just a lot. There is a um I, <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna be able to see this when I hold it up to the screen, but there is something significant in the bottom. Yeah, it's made with bits of real cow. Okay. <laughs> That's how you know it's good. <laughs> Is that a full leaf? <laughs> I actually thought it was a chunk of hoof. I don't really understand though what that is. It almost looks like drywall. <laughs> I mean, I was going to assume it was a clump of hop. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's weird. But like, I don't know. Do they? Does it get... It almost looks like powder that's compacted. So maybe like the hops was crushed up and then yeah, they Yeah, if, if, if they use pellet hops... Mm. Um, they may have reformed in like the dry hop phase and like settled out. Yeah, nice. You like it? Yeah, it's tasty. Um, probably the one flavor because it's just generally a flavor that's going to be subtle anyway that I'm missing is maybe like the vanilla. I think that that smooth, like it has a bit of a smoothness to it, and that I am attributing to the vanilla. Well, I attribute that to the milkshake part of it. Not that there's oh, actual the, Is there lactose in this bad boy? Well, I'm assuming so. I would assume so, right? Yeah. A milkshake IPA, and it does have that creamy mouthfeel. Um, well, I, you know what, though? If it didn't have the vanilla, it would probably be too spicy. Well, none of the spices they chose, like, there's no ginger. The cinnamon is in proportion because the cinnamon the, can be the runaway flavor. Yeah, the clove and the allspice, though, they could go out of control, but I, I do think that the vanilla probably tones it down. I will say, I would struggle to pick allspice out of something because it's, it's all just the all the spices. spices though. <laughs> <laughs> also, you'd think it would render the cinnamon and clove moot because it's all the spices. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing Actually, you know what? Not boo. I, I liked it. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> moot. I don't know why that... that, that... <laughs> I don't know why, but that Hannibal Burris meme is one of my favorites. <laughs> why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, how many thuckles are we going here on this one? Uh, I'd go a solid two thuckles. Two thuckles. I'm with you. That that feels right. So I feel like this is definitely a beer that I would want one of at a time. I don't want... Yeah. Yeah, but by a fire outside. I don't know. It's not really like a heavy or a dark beer that I would feel like. No, no. I want it in the fall. Like as the, as the season's turning, it's getting colder. I'm Maybe I'm in a costume. Maybe it's Halloween. I'm thinking maybe... Actually, honestly, drinking this at like the way we had Oktoberfest would have been the way to do it. Even mm. possibly prior to the fire being lit. Under a tent? Yeah, just hanging out. Like some sun coming through half-fallen leaves of trees, you know? Yeah. Copious amounts of worst. Yeah, lots of worst. All the worst. Um, I still have worst. You still have worst from that? Frozen worst. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, 55 degrees, sunny, yeah. 
sudden getting ready to go down, but not going down yet. The fire hasn't been lit yet because it's not actually cold. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have one of these. You put light the fire. You start to bundle. You light the cigar. You break out the whiskeys and such mm. after this. I'm in. I'm in for that. Maybe German. That sounds really nice. Or something like that to go with. Oh, Ooh. all right. Yeah, <laughs> I would like my first thought was like, oh, this kind of tastes like a pumpkin pie or something like that. But I don't think there would be too much if you had a pie that was of similar flavors. Yeah, I don't think this I think this could stand on its own. I think this is after the German beers and the worsts. Mm -hmm. You have one of these as you get ready for the evening. Sure. And the pretzels. We have to have pretzels. You could probably have pretzel and cheese with this. Yeah, I'd be down with that. Yeah, be down with that. But that would be a post. That would be a post worst. Typically, you have beer, the beer cheese pretzels before the worst. But we could change it up. We could do what we want. It's true. It's fine. Maybe yeah, we have some left over and we Who broke cares? it back out. Oh, that'd be nice. But uh, those pretzels were good. Yeah. There no leftover pretzels that day. Uh, oh, I just got charged for Transistor. We were just talking about Transistor prior to this show recording and how great of a service it is. We love you, Transistor. <laughs> Thank you That's for it. allowing us to exist. That's it. Uh, Zancaster, still still not thrilled with you, <laughs> but more on that in future episodes. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, Al, let's get into some news and nuggets. Okay, one, two, or three. I want to. Okay, so what we've done is Al has given me the number of news that he has, and we're gonna do a little news grab bag. Thing is, no matter what number you say, I'm probably gonna go with the one that's on the top of the page. But I'm oh, giving you the choice. I could never know. <laughs> I could never know. You literally would um, never know. Give me two. You know what? I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm going to give you two. Okay. So this is from about a week. Actually, you know what? Give me one. Nope. It's too late. We locked and loaded. Uh, see, now I need to. That was, that was my. I was trying to figure out <laughs> if you would change it up. <laughs> or internally, you just have a hard line. You're just going top down. <laughs> I mean, I suppose I could, but I'm kind of excited to talk about this one. So this is from February 24th, which is now several days ago. Uh, this is on IGN. Mass Effect project teased by Henry Cavill. Did you see this? Wait, what? <laughs> How, when did this happen? <laughs> February 20th. Don't say February 20th. <laughs> what happened here? All right, I'm interested. I'm sorry, I'm a little thrown off because for whatever reason, usually when I flip away from the Skype, mm-hmm. a, little, a little you stays in the corner of my computer. It's not mm-hmm. doing Oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, so I'm not sure what you're, what you're giving I kind of liked how you said the Skype. Yes. Well, the Skype window, you fucker. Um, I know. I know. I just liked it. was kind of like when you watch the Netflix. Henry Cavill, <laughs> brought Geralt to life in Netflix's The Witcher, has just teased Did you, did you say looking. that with a hard, with a J? Is it Geralt? Sorry. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I like it both ways. I was never on Geralt. I like that. Let's go Geralt for Shut now. Shut up. <laughs> He just sees uh, that he may does. be working on a project set in the Mass Effect universe. Cool. Cavill shared a photo of him. So you're giving me a hard time, but this sentence actually says Cavill shared an photo of himself on Instagram <laughs> with the words <laughs> secret project or just a handful of paper with random words on it. Guess you'll have to wait and see. Happy hump day all. Hashtag hump day. Hashtag secrets. Picture of him. Hashtag Cavill's Gavels. <laughs> <laughs> It's a picture of him, I believe, in makeup to become Geralt of Rivia. Okay. Because he has very long hair in this picture. It's in black and white. It's a photo of him, like, through the mirror here. And he's got a little 
script in his hand. Included with the image was part of what appears to be a script or, quote, a handful of paper with random words on it. But it's too blurry <laughs> to clearly make out what's on the page. Game pressure, <laughs> what? So let's break down what he's holding. We don't know, but it's paper. <laughs> well, that was the, in his little thing. He said, or just handful yeah. of paper. Um, Game Pressure used a program called Focus Magic to remove the blur, and the clearer image reveals such words as Cerberus, Talizora, and Geth. IGN has also used Focus Magic to fix the image and confirm these words do appear, as you can see below. And they show you a new version of the image showing you the text on the paper that he was holding hmm. with a little bit of it, so you can see what uh, was on there. And it says, fans of the Mass Effect franchise will immediately know that these words are characters pulled right from the beloved trilogy, Furthermore, it appears that the text Cavill has shown has come directly from Mass Effect 3's Wikipedia page. And then they put the whole paragraph that this was pulled from. Following the events on Tuchanka and a failed coup by Cerberus to take over the Citadel, the Quarians offer their support to the Alliance if Shepard helps them reclaim their homeworld. Rannoch from the Geth, the Wikipedia page reads. Assisted by a Quarian, either Talizora or D Admiral Darozen, Shepard boards a Geth Dreadnought, and rescues a captive Geth unit, either Legion or a facsimile, occupied by Geth Virtual Intelligence, then disables the Reaper control signal over the Geth. A possible Mass Effect movie has been in the works as far back as the late 2000s. In 2010, Legendary Pictures acquired the movie rights to the franchise and was set to feature the producers behind The Dark Knight and Spider-Man. There have been more rumors as the years went on, but nothing too substantial has come since then. This could be a hint that Cavill may soon be taking on the role of Commander Shepard, or another character in either a film or TV adaptation. It's also possible he could be lending his voice to a game project or otherwise. Um, and then the rest of this goes on to talk about the legendary edition and such and so on. So the pertinent information is complete now. Henry Cavill seems to be teasing that he will be involved with the Mass Effect franchise in some way, shape, or form. My guess would be, just considering what we know is going on, that he's probably going to be a voice in whatever that future game is. Although it would seem that they're casting a voice actor rather early. For that game, which is still pretty early in its development cycle, from what I understand. Um, True. That being said, if he were to be voicing, say, the protagonist, maybe they would bring him on board earlier on. Got a feel for it. The, thus far, they've always used a more of a blank slate approach for their protagonists. So the voice actors have typically not been super famous outside of maybe being famous voice actors, not famous actors themselves. Sure. They're more famous actors and actresses have tended to be other major characters in the games. Well, folks, you heard it here first. Henry Cavill will be playing live-action Rex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that he'd be It's obvious, Al. <laughs> I don't know that he'd be a great fit for Rex, honestly. <laughs> I love Rex. Um, not necessarily fit for him. Um, now, it's possible that he is teasing that he would be in a show or movie as well, which we have no sure. knowledge of such a thing to be existing. That sounds like it could be a Netflix series. I have for a couple of years now thought, because I was super excited when I heard the idea that maybe do a movie because obviously my favorite game friend. But sure. after seeing the success of Game of Thrones, I was like, oh man, this would make a kick-ass like Amazon or Netflix or even HBO show. Actually, especially after watching um, where Game of Thrones went and watching the first season of Westworld, I kind of thought it would be a really badass HBO show, but mm. um after watching The Expanse and some other stuff on Amazon, I think it would work really well there. And Netflix has done stuff of varying quality and varying size and depth. Um, so you can't rule them out either. But those those True. three 
for me, I would be the most excited to see HBO or Amazon take it on. Yeah, I can hear that. That sounds that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, that, I would watch that. That'd be fun. Uh, until they until they go, it's a Netflix show, and it gets too they go too far, right? They don't have any ideas left, and then they do the Mass Effect Witcher crossover, and <laughs> it's just, it is wild. The minstrels in space, like a whole thing. <laughs> well, listen, there is a bit of a theory that the Mass Effect and Dragon Age series could be linked in the same thing based on one specific shot of the moon in Dragon Age looking very similar to a moon viewed from planet side in one of the planets in mm. Mass Effect. Um, cool. But obviously it's just stupid. All right, Al. There are other Easter eggs, but yeah. Serious question. Okay. If I were to play a Dragon Age game right now, mm-hmm. where would I start? What Should I start you, at the beginning? Well, as I said, what are you looking to get out of your experience? Are you no looking, idea. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're like, hey, I'm itching to do something and I want to jump into this series, I might I'm, as well here, start at the here, beginning. Here's where I'm at. I'm curious about Dragon Age. I doubt that I'll stick through the entire series, but I also have no idea what... I don't even know what the games are about. I don't even know what the gameplay is like. Dragons. Um, just dragons? Did you just yes, say dragons? I did. Right. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be awesome. It's like, let me, I'm going to set your expectations right now. There are no dragons. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are dragons. Um, so, <sighs> the way, it's even harder to do. I, I've, I feel like I've come up with a pretty good breakdown for the Mass Effect trilogy. It's a more consistent trilogy, even though there's dramatic improvements made throughout and dramatic changes made throughout. The way I always say them is the best pure story is one. The best pure gameplay is three. And the best mixture of the two is two, which is why two is my favorite of the three games, right? Sure. In Dragon Age, I can't do it as cleanly as that. If I were Mm -hmm. to attempt to, I would say one has the best story, if not necessarily the most cohesive storytelling. Just because of it, it's what I thought was a fairly cool, unique thing. I'm sure they're not the only ones or maybe even the first ones to do this sort of thing where it's called Dragon Age Origins. And what they concern themselves with, most importantly, is your origin story. You can choose basically one of six backgrounds. To but come you're saying from. that's that's the first one. That's the first game, Dragon Age Origins. Oh, but that is that first game timeline wise or release wise or both? Both. Oh, for some reason, I thought that that came out later. No, Origins is the first of the Dragon Age games. Dragon Age 2 is predictably the second one. Um, <laughs> Dragon, Age- Dragon Age 2 is the second one? No, many thought so, but actually, it's number five. <laughs> and dra- Well, because it's weird because they have three games and two of them have subtitles and one of them is two. Um, so the third one is Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, okay. So... What I would say is one is the most ambitious of the stories okay. overall and like the most interesting and compelling of the stories, probably. Mm-hmm. Two, I just think is so much fun to play. Like the gameplay, I think actually, I think they took a step back going in part is because they changed game engines and there was the whole struggles mm-hmm. with the Frostbite engine and all that going over to Inquisition. Inquisition's fine. It's a fun game to play. There's a lot of things that are polished that are like incremental improvements over two, but overall, Two is so much fun. I found the combat suite to be so engaging and frenetic, and I love the power trees uh, that you can create your character with and all that. 
It also has okay. the least of all of the um, RPG elements, though, as far as like customizing your armor of you and your team and all mm. of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the other two have a much deeper suite of those things. Um, what Inquisition has going for it is the scope of the narrative in the world. It is massive. Uh, actually, probably too big. Um, what I've said for a while is yeah. I wish they would have cut one or two of the levels and just, well, not even just tightened, actually. It's the thing that you and I and, and Brian have talked about for a while now. I'm tired of these worlds getting bigger. Make them feel realer. Mm. So mm-hmm. instead of creating something that takes me four hours to walk across with nothing to see or do, give me fucking towns and buildings and shit. Give me people to talk to. Like, like not that there isn't people to talk to, but like for the size of the world. There's a lot of emptiness. Yeah, like Sparse. I would rather there be 40 to 60% of the total space and the depth of that space be increased doubly or more, you know? Mm-hmm. Make it feel like I'm actually in a world, not just in some random fucking empty. Yeah. I mean, there's like three separate desert levels, yeah, that are massive, and it's like, who needs three right. separate uh, deserts? So let me put it this way: I have access to them. Mm-hmm. I uh, I've never played one before. If I play Origins, am I gonna? Do you think this is it more likely that I'll I'll stick with it if I start there or start somewhere else? So the way that the, each game is made, unlike what is unique about it is, unlike Mass Effect, which you play Commander Shepard from one to three, right? Mm-hmm. It's like they got better along it, trying to make it accessible to someone joining in, but it actually makes it worse for the hardcore fans from the first, right? Because like you're mm. you're making it too accessible in a way that feels like you're talking down to me. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, Dragon Age, each game has a different protagonist. So okay. while they are a cohesive story, although there are some retconning that happened in two and three once they realized, because Mass Effect was always designed as being a trilogy from the start, so it made it easy to hand it off from two, from one to two to three. Sure. This one, they, I'm sure they wanted to make more games after they were making the first one. Sure. It wasn't planned with the arc of a trilogy in mind. So mm-hmm. as they've grown and expanded, they've had to kind of, like, they've got to, it's very obvious at times where they're setting up the ideas of what's going to come next. Like, oh, I think that's what they're going to handle in the next game, right? Right. But they have to create a whole new, corner of each world which is cool like and it's great it's it led to some really cool ideas and some cool storytelling and all, everything like that um it does make a little bit of the transition messy but what is positive for you if you were dead set and just jumping into the game you think you would quote unquote enjoy the most because each one starts with a different protagonist you wouldn't necessarily have to know everything that's come before the point you're jumping into um okay because each game you're starting off as someone new so the world is new to you to whatever extent, right? Okay, so in that case, you said the be- the most fun one to play is two? I think so. Uh, All right, then maybe I, I'll start I know there. A lot of people, I don't want to say hated the game, but it's consistently the least well-reviewed of the three. I actually loved it, and even some, a lot of the things that people criticize, I actually thought it was the strengths of this game. Now, I mean, not universally. Mm. It's not a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. There sure. are some serious, legitimate flaws and drawbacks to the game. But to me, that's just so goddamn fun that I don't care. And also, um, I thought the story was compelling for what it was trying to do. Its scope is intentionally much smaller than the other two um, because it's just focusing on one small area and Ooh. it's told across. So like the first game basically takes place over the course of a year. The 
third game takes place over the course of, I forget exactly how long, let's call it a year or so. Um, and then at the end, there's an epilogue DLC that's a two-year time jump to those events. Mm-hmm. The second one takes place over the course of like 10 or 11 years, and it's mm-hmm. told via chapters. So there's the prologue, time jump of about a year. Interesting. Or sorry, time jump of a couple of months, finish the prologue, jump about a year. You'd take place over the course of, let's call it a few months, that chapter. Then it time jumps another year, I think. A couple of months, and then to the third and final chapter, it jumps like three years or something like that. I'm getting the math oh. wrong. So I think it takes place over the course of about 10 years. Um, cool. As one character, um, Hawk, comes from refugee to one of the most powerful people in this city-state in one small corner of the world. So... Um, I think it's cool because you keep seeing the same <laughs> one of the drawbacks of the game and one of the things people hate it is that they recycle a lot of like areas and dungeons and stuff like that which is a legitimate gripe um, but to me I actually thought it was cool to see the change throughout the city which is where you spend most of your time happen mm-hmm. over the course of years where there's people who rise their fortunes rise or fall alongside yours and you know, there's new places and new groups that get, you know, gain power, you know, or disappear entirely and all that. And you see the changes in the, the across the timeline and, and everything like that and how people respond to you as you gain notoriety and all that. Um, mm. I would recommend if it's like, oh, yeah, I think I'm like, would be really interested in this starting at the beginning with the caveat that I find the gameplay itself to be a total drag because it's like turn based, but not like JRPG turn based. Like World of Warcraft turn based. Is it? It's not like um, Match of the Old Republic was, is it? I've never played it, so I don't know. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be into that. I'll just maybe I'll just start with two and give it a go. We'll see. Al, news number three. <laughs> uh, okay. I think this is number three. Yeah. Um, Neil Blomkamp reveals District Ten screenplay in the works. Oh. Um, this was on Variety, and this was from February 26th. Um, District 9 and Elysium director Neil Blomkamp has revealed that he and writing partner Charlotte Copley and Terry Tatchell are in the process of writing the screenplay for District 10. Oh, God, what happened? <laughs> um, the long-awaited follow-up to South Africa's biggest box office hit. District 10 screenplay also being written by Charlotte Copley, Terry Tatchell, and I. It's coming, said Blomkamp in a tweet on Friday. In 2009, District 9, produced by TriStar Pictures, Block Hansen, and Wingnut Films, grossed $211 million worldwide, the largest ever sum for a South African film. Received four Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture and Original Screenplay for Blomkamp and Terry Tatchell. Rumors have swirled ever since about the possibility of a sequel. The film's ambiguous final act seemed to imply that there is more story to be told. Blomkamp has stayed busy during the pandemic. In addition to teaming with Copley and Tatchell on the sequel, he took advantage of downtime when his sci-fi thriller Inferno was briefly sidelined by the pandemic shoot a horror film over the summer in British Columbia, Canada. Now, AGC has started screening Demonic to buyers, platforms, and distributors in the run-up to Berlin's European film market. Bumcamp initially planned to shoot Inferno with Taylor Kitsch, Tasha Star, late 2019. Uh, the studios had boarded the project and agreed to fully finance and produce the film, but the pandemic upended those plans, so they turned their attention to Demonic. Copley is also a, mem- a number of product- projects in the mix. The actor is headlining Tony Stone's Ted K, where he plays the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. 
The film is based on Kaczynski's own diaries and testimonies from those who interacted with him during his years of isolation in the Montana wilderness. Mm. Hamway films and cinematic media represent the film, blah, blah, blah. Um, in the 2017 Reddit AMA, Bonkamp explained why a sequel hadn't yet been announced while leaving the door wide open for the possibility. Okay, so at District 10, the basic answer is yes. I want to go back to that world and tell the rest of the story with Vickis and Christopher. The issue right now is that I have many other projects and ideas that I also want to work on and complete. And most importantly, the exact right reason to make District 10 needs to be very clear. The first film was based so explicitly on real themes and topics from South Africa that affected me greatly growing up there that we need to make sure the film, the next film does not forget that. Yes. I, uh, I would be down for that. I actually, I, I was thinking about District 9 the other day. I, I, I haven't rewatched that one in a long time. I would love to rewatch that. We should do that one. I was going to say, I, I feel like I recall you liking that movie an awful lot, right? Oh, yeah. I really, really loved it. Um, uh, there was something about it, like, aesthetically, I, I, the, the effects that they, and I'm not usually one to care too much about that, at the time, like, it looked amazing. But I think and, they, they aged well, from what I can tell. Because yeah. I've actually only seen the movie all the way through the, the one time I saw it in theaters. Um, and I remember the story being compelling. Yes. Uh, well, after the first 10-ish minutes, that felt like 30 minutes that I was afraid that it was some sort of weird documentary. Um, yeah, no, I was super int- into it after that. But I, I've i seen a little bit of it a couple months ago on mm. TV. Like It just happened to be on when I turned on the TV. So I watched a couple of minutes and the aliens, like they were like zoomed in on them and they were moving around and stuff like that. And it was like, Oh, this feels like it aged well, but it wasn't an action scene. So, sure. um, but I was like, Oh, that still looks good on a 4k TV. So yeah, uh, that's, I, I, did you see, did you see Chappie? Yes. And another one that I really enjoyed. I yeah. think I like his movies. Yeah. Uh, I never saw Elysium. Um, but I like that too. I have that. Those two were good. I know Chappie is a little odd. It, it kind of, it's, I don't want to say corny. That's not the right word, but like there's something odd about that movie um, that like it's, makes it a little hard to take seriously, like fully seriously. But it is like it is a good movie. Um, I yeah, thought I, I, District I Nine was it. really good from what I remember. Maybe we'll do a uh, 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 a Blum Camp run on Flux in the Six. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be good. Cool. All right, I'll, I'll dig that. I didn't realize that was going to be a thing. So yeah, whatever happened to his Halo movie though? So whatever happened to his Halo movie, though? <laughs> uh, District 9. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's what it became. That was originally going to be a Halo movie. Yeah. Um, and I guess whatever funding and whatnot and previous and whatever, like, shooting or whatever they did, I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I know that it became District 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, Al, that leaves us with news number one. That's correct. Two, three, one. Who would have imagined? Look at mm-hmm. us. Who would have thought? <laughs> not me. Not me. Um, so Spider-Man, mm. did you see they finally announced what it's going to be called? I did. And I forgot the name of it already. It's well, so here's the they thing. Did it, they did it in a cute way. I yeah. liked it. Well, so they, it was each of them, him, like Tom Holland's and Daya and, um, Jacob Adelon also all like posted different fake names for the movie, which mm-hmm. were entertaining. And then they did a little teaser in which he's coming out of John Watts's office. and. <laughs> They're like, well, what is it? And he goes, he won't tell me. He keeps giving me fake names. And he goes, I don't understand why he won't trust me. And they go, Be- because you spoiled things from other movies. <laughs> and then they walk past a chalkboard or a dry, oh, dry erase no, board. 
No Way Home? Is no that what home. it was? Yes. Yeah. Oh, with all the other it. fake names written around it, like kind of yeah. like a word cloud thing. That's cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I love those Spider-Man movies. They're so fun. And they just, the three of them have such great chemistry. I, I want, I can't wait for more. I'm looking forward to it. Yep, I'm, I'm excited. Um, that was, it's cool to see. So yeah. I just, to, it was crazy to me is the turnaround. It's going to be later this year, you know, pandemic allowing, which is crazy. Considering yeah. We basically technically had no Marvel last year after having arguably too much Marvel in the lead yep. up to that um, per year. And now we're going to, we're going to get, you know, we have one more episode of WandaVision and then very soon after that, they're going to kick off the winter soldier and Falcon. And then somehow they're going to cram the black widow and eternals and Spider-Man all into the <laughs> rest of the year, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, they can stretch it out, but whatever. Uh, yeah, what? Uh, hey, man, I, I honestly, the, the lack of releases, I did think left some breathing room for something like WandaVision, where people are like really like focused in on it, which I enjoy. Well, it's got a few things working show. for it, right? It's got, like you said, yeah, we basically cleansed the palette for a year of releases, and mm-hmm. they, I think the episodic thing is working pretty well, the week by week, um, and it's pretty well done, and here's my barometer for this. I don't give a shit about Wanda or Vision, or at least I didn't prior to this show. Despite the fact that they've been in a bunch of the big movies now that we like and enjoy, right? Mm -hmm. And I just, I couldn't care less about either individual character. And now at the end of every episode, I want to know what happens to them next. Yeah, you're hanging on every on every thread that they leave dangling in front of you like that. It's so ridiculous. to me, that feels like a pretty good barometer for the fact that they're doing a good job with the show because they're taking people I don't give a shit about and making me care. Yeah, well, they they they're doing a a, a really solid B list thing where they're like, you're not really selling the movies, but we still have room for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it also means that like when you then tell me next year, oh by the way, Wanda's gonna be in. Doctor Strange, I'm like, ooh, I wonder what that could be all about. You know what I mean? As right. opposed to, ah, oh, okay. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, prior, prior to that, like, I, there's a number of characters like that where you just be like, whatever, that's fine. Just shoehorn them and like, I guess they don't, they're not going to get their own standalone. They don't fit anywhere else except for an Avengers movie. I guess put them in. It's fine. But in this case, it's like, ooh, what else? What's happening with you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, let's let's dive in right into what we're watching because that that'll lead us into Wanda and Vision, um, but or Wanda Vision rather. But um, first things first, uh, uh, Kim and I, Kim is finally watching Parks and Recreation. She didn't watch it. No, oh, I didn't know that. Um, it's, and I'm watching rewatching it for the first time in a very long time. And man, oh man, do I adore that show. Uh, but I got Krugered. Uh, so, <laughs> uh. Joe, from the movie that we're going to do today, is the head of animal control in Parks and Recreation. That's him? Yeah. (laughs) I thought he looked a little bit familiar, but I didn't realize that that was him. That's odd. You know, I looked him up very quickly, too, and I didn't even, I guess I didn't scroll through well enough. Yeah. But uh, that's interesting. That was funny. But uh, yeah, Uh, Parks and Rec, that's going well. I love that show. It's so funny. Uh, this week, we also watched the Golden Globes. Is that what we watched? Is yes. that what the award show was? Yes. yes. The Golden Globes. I have never given a shit about the Golden Globes. I 
I've never been more detached from an award ceremony. I like only because like nothing was like some of the TV shows. Great. Cause we had watched some, we were into it. None of the movies really did we watch just because like, it, it's just been a weird year for movies. Uh, and it's, I don't know. Well, Sound of Metal was nominated, right? It was nominated. He was nominated. Riz Ahmed. Uh, I don't think the movie, I don't know if the movie was. Hmm. Because I was my actually maybe it was. It was my understanding that this been. has a, a decent amount of critical acclaim behind it, which would indicate to me that it should probably be. I know it's been like a festival darling because technically this movie came out like actually I want to say on my birthday in 2019. Um, huh. You know, and it only got its actual release like a couple months ago. Um, right. And obviously, it lost out on having the opportunity to be more. Con and all that in 2020 because pandemic. Um, but uh, I they haven't announced what the Oscar nominations are, right? Which is weird because it's March already. Yeah, I don't think so, or at least I haven't seen anything. Uh, I'm looking it up real quick. Uh, best performance by an actor in a drama. It was I met for Sound of Metal, but that seems like it's the only th- the only thing. Hmm. Yeah, it only got one nomination. And that was for him in that. But uh, yeah, anyway, that was we watched that. It was fun to see uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler doing their thing because they they cracked me up. And then also like some tie ins with like uh, Keenan was there for a couple things, which is really funny. He's he always cracks me up, too. Um, but eh, it's weird. It's weird this year for award ceremonies, for sure. I've never cared about the Golden Globes, Globes just because I've always been confused by it. Because I'm like, well, the Oscars are movies and the Emmys are TV. Mm-hmm. And then there's this thing that's kind of weirdly bridging the two. And also it has, it's just another one. <laughs> and it also has like a super weird electorate. And also yeah. it seems to be fairly corrupt. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. But I really case, only watch it for the, for like the presentation, <laughs> which it seemed like they didn't do a very good job of, which again, pandemic is a large part of that i i would i would say they did a better job than some years that i've seen of the show okay uh but they have great chemistry yeah uh even when they're not even when they're across the country from each other well i'm not even talking about Faye and polar specifically i meant the the event at large oh yeah great job with like connectivity issues with zoom yeah there was there was some sort of struggles uh i do find it odd like we you and i are are amateurs at best and we record a remote podcast that sounds pretty much like we're in the same room we've gotten better and especially since i have a computer that's not on the brink of death that's right and i don't know and because we we splurge for the 15 or 20 bucks a month for the service that might end up going by the wayside if they don't fix things and have real uh, <laughs> and we have real professional grade microphones uh yeah pro- professional adjacent <laughs> i mean there are literally professionals that use these microphones. Sure. But the word, I think we play it light and loose with the word professional uh, for when it comes to people that are using these. I'm not saying that there aren't better ones. <laughs> I'm just saying that literally professionals use. I, I've seen professional podcasters using blue microphones. <laughs> sure. That being said, why why you having issues? Me? At the Golden Globes. Oh, okay. Like what? <laughs> like figure it out. Like I feel like I could probably have gotten a better result of quality from those interviews, those remote interviews. I mean, but, I hope so. 
Whatever, whatever. Um, doesn't matter. Al, WandaVision, fantastic. Yes. Loving every minute of it. Uh, I love how the show has evolved episode from episode to episode. Uh, we've talked about that in the past, just how it, it's kind of been like this, this very steady crescendo, the entire thing, mm-hmm. which has been great. Uh, the reveal... Uh, well, this is spoilers, by the way. <laughs> it's two <laughs> but, weeks of episodes, guys. And yeah, skip it. Last one coming out. Yeah, if, if you don't want to hear this, skip. Just skip to the next chapter where we do fun and games. But I, uh, the reveal of Agatha, was fantastic because you and I, I, I feel, I know I was. I think you were on the same page. We're convinced there was something dark going on with her, but not that she was the villain. I didn't think that was I really said right. I thought she was the villain. Then I kind of backed off. I was like, she's definitely got something going on. But like, yeah. from the beginning, I had kind of suspected she was a the villain. They waited so long to reveal that that I was mm-hmm. starting to soften on that slightly. Um, well, I guess villain's not really the right word. Well, I'm she, not really sure what she is. She's the one making sure that everything goes wrong. But like her, she wants to know... It was Agatha all along. It was Agatha. <laughs> she wants to know that it was uh like what like how Wanda's doing what she's doing, how she's done what she's done. She wants to, like she's she's a little she's power hungry. Yeah, she's in, for sure. She's insidious. Uh yeah. She's so I don't confused. really know what her what her plans are. Uh she wants power. Yeah. What she wants to learn how to do what she's what what Wanda's doing because Wanda's doing something that she, the five hundred year old can't. witch, can't do. And she's like, huh, right. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's just maybe she's you know she's bored and excited. She's five hundred years old. Like I, that's, that, I don't know. If she's bad. I think anybody is going to be a little bit nuts. In well, we know we know all along she was bad because she murdered all of her fellow coven because they tried to hold her accountable. Well, hang on though. Is she wrong for that? They were going to kill her for not being accountable. They gave her a choice. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe I missed something. <laughs> that opening scene of this week's episode when they were yeah. Like, you know, they dragged her to a trial, yeah, and it, she made it very clear that she was a psychopath, and so they then were going to... I don't know if they were going to kill her, strip her powers, or what. But what did she do that she got put on that post? She was using dark magic. Yeah, for what? I don't know. They never said. Yeah, see, this is the thing. I need more details. I, I, I'm not passing judgment on Agatha yet. I mean, her own mother was willing to put her to... Yeah, but they all seemed a little nuts. Well, they all seemed furious with her, so obviously she did something wrong. Yeah, but that's what they want you to think. What if it's a cult? What if they're real shitty? I mean, they weren't breaking the fourth wall there, though. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm not sure. About I mean, they all died. Point. We didn't see like what they were Maybe to they gain did. or yeah. lose. So, I mean, they returned. I don't have enough information to know that Agatha is a bad, bad person. Well, except that's for that she saying. murdered Sparky and then laughed about it. Uh, okay, that's fair. Um, I'll give you that. And now she's holding Wanda's two children off. Yeah, but that's the other thing. Who? What? What are they? <laughs> What's going on? Do they exist? It doesn't matter whether they real, they're real or not. She's holding them hostage. <laughs> okay, right. fair enough. <laughs> uh, I I kind of hope that you haven't watched the show when you're listening because this sounds ridiculous. <laughs> well, I mean, this whole show is ridiculous, of course. So. <laughs> oh man! So it I is, had, I had seen some stuff, some speculation in, in the the weeks leading up to it that Agatha made. A stand-in for a version of Agnes, and that's what it turned out to be. Um, which everyone was kind of wondering. Well, Agnes, this mm-hmm. kind of a dumb little code name, but there you go, and that's sure. what it turned out to be. 
Um, so from what I understand of the history, actually, I think typically Agatha has been kind of more of a mentor to Wanda historically in the okay. comics, but not always. So mm. also typically she used to portray as much, much, much older because she is. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. I'd be curious. I am curious though, like what this implication of the witches is like the powers that they have and stuff like where that's coming from. Well, it seems it like this, the greater. I was say it seemed like this was going to be kind of pointing to the fact that she might mutant because you know that, right um, that would be my guess and that it seems like the stone actually may have just enhanced her powers rather than right it seemed like a soft yeah, like a, soft recon it like woke up something recon. that was dormant yeah. Uh, yeah also i mean they showed some sort of being seemed to jump out of the stone and that was weird seems to be maybe the scarlet witch because it sounds like scarlet witch isn't just her title but more like a title in the way that like a presence of some kind, like the way that like Green Lantern is a title. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. This is really cool though. I'm enjoying it, especially because I have no context for Wanda like backstory. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the characters, so this is pretty great. Yeah, and I, I know earlier you kind of balked at me saying that she's the villain because I know you're thinking, well, maybe it's probably more Hayward. There could be more than one villain, right? You know, they, they clearly don't seem to be working together. Um, I don't know. It's about, uh, it's, it might be this crazy new vision they cooked up. Well, yes, but, <laughs> but like created by like, that's more like a henchman. That is like the villain. Yeah. Being Hayward. And that's like the overpower. I believe his character name is douche pants. Every <laughs> Marvel movie Director has a douche, douche pants. pants and he is absolutely direct douche pants. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm really excited to see where this wraps up. Uh, I was starting to get panicky because when there was a post credit scene, I was like, how many of these have I missed? And then I found out that it was only like the last two episodes. So I was like, okay, all right, I'm fine. I'm fine. Also interesting that we went through this whole episode without seeing Monica. Right. Or Fiatra. Right. (laughs) I forgot about them. (laughs) Fiatra. There's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, That's right. Cause it's also, um, you had said it early on. I hadn't noticed it until the last couple where I was like, ooh, I just want like five more minutes. Like, just give me like five, maybe ten, five more minutes would be great. Uh, but then it's over and I'm like, oh, man. Like, uh, I, but I, it does keep me, I, I've, I've got the itch. And I'm excited for like the next week, which is great. I really love that feeling because it's not something that you have in like a lot of context. So it's really cool. Uh, any theories? Um. But we're gonna get this white vision. What uh, what what are we calling this? Al- yeah, albino uh, vision. Albino vision. It's vision, but he's like from the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> That's actually Paul perfect because Paul Bettany was the albino. <laughs> that is that works on a lot of levels. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm curious. I wonder if this creates some sort of team up where like. Agatha, Wanda, and well, I guess fake vision because technically he's not. Mm-hmm. And Monica all team up and Fiatra all team up to fight to fight. Um, what's it called? The the division code. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I what I'm really really want to know is like the only like the thing that I'm completely locked in on is like what's going on with Vision. Like, because the character has thought and mind of his own. Uh, he is operating independently. Like, so it's not just, it's not just a projection, unless her projection is that, like, 
I don't know, uh, that realistic that it can actually think for itself, like a real AI that she's created. Well, that was, I think, the whole point, right, is what attracted Agatha's attention was, like she said, it was pure creation. Yeah. Like it's this chaos magic, which apparently only, like, the prophecy has foretold that only one person could do this, and that's what makes her the Scarlet Witch. It'd be really funny if this entire show was just so, like, they killed Vision, and they were like, man, like, I know that hit home real hard, but we really love having Paul Bettany around. Like, let's let's do this show where he's kind of fake or not, and then let's find a way to just bring him back from the dead. And then... <laughs> Even which, just in this limited run would be something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which it, it, it has been. Right. <clears throat> um, but, uh, uh, it's cool, though. Also, we still, I guess, technically never got the chance to talk about the fact that Monica now seems to be a superhero as well, and I had no idea that that was a thing, and she's apparently played multiple different versions of varying import of Avenger over the years in comics. Uh, oh, yeah, what, I actually don't know anything about what's going on with her yet. I don't fully follow what's happening. Well, she has powers for right. re-entering the hex for the 13th time or whatever, and right. she can see electrical fields. She's been stuff. rewritten. Yeah. Um, so from what I understand, I think people said that they think that this is like this version of the character where she was, I think the hero is called Spectrum which had okay. all sorts of electrical powers and stuff like that, because she seemed to, you know, be able to do electrical things and see electrical fields and all that. Also, she did a superhero landing after Wanda was messing around with her in the sky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess we'll probably get... I feel like we'll get a little bit more about her or maybe a name or a hint at what that, like, exactly who she'll have been from history. Uh, like, going forward, probably... That'll probably be, like, the post credit scene of the... Of the finale, what well, do you think? I would say it would seem definitely to be tipping off that she could be a character in Captain Marvel too. Sure, um, which would yeah, make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I could see that. Man, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I can't wait to see this finale. I feel like they're going to do. Oh, I am curious. Do you know anything? Like, do we know anything about the runtime of the finale? Is it going to be any longer? I would think so, but I don't. But hope so. Sure. Like an hour? Nice, nice, I don't know if they'll go full hour, jam? but like they could. 40 minutes? So I said, why not bump it to 40 or so? Yeah, give me something. Give me something. Give me more. <laughs> I came from, I, I was like, oh, we can take a break. So give me more. <laughs> oh, what a vision. I'll get around never, to that to like, you know, <laughs> fucking singing, like finger snapping. It was Agatha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, quick aside. Yesterday, I was working on a, uh, I was trying to upgrade a dependency in a project at work. I'm not going to go too deep into what that entails, but I was trying to do that. Uh, and I was running into a wall. And I could not figure out what the problem was. And I was trying things, trying things, trying things, running into issues. Couldn't figure it out. Pulled in Damien, friend of the show. He's been on an episode. Pulled in Damien. He's helped me out with it. We work on this thing for five hours. Finally find out what the problem is. It wasn't plugged uh, the, the What? I said it wasn't plugged in. <laughs> It wasn't plugged in. Our our method for figuring out what the problem was is basically we like commented out like pretty much all of the code, mm-hmm. and then one line at a time brought it back in until the <laughs> error that we were looking for came up, uh, which didn't end up happening in the way that we needed to. But it did. We did end up finding something. We were able to fix it. At the end of the day, we fixed it. But uh, we did find out that the reason for the error was Damien. And it was something that he put into place like a year ago. And it was like this time bomb that just went off yesterday. <laughs> and, then, and then after we solved it, he posted a picture of Agatha winking in the <laughs> I mean, seriously, we have just one small bit of appreciation for how ridiculous Catherine Hahn's been this entire time. Oh, she's so fantastic. 
I mean, just that whole thing where she's just like, like ah, like winking, and, and like like I said, the maniacal laugh after she reveals that she murdered the dog, and it's like, oh my yeah. god, <laughs> <laughs> she's great. Uh, I'm telling you, keep an eye out for that one, uh, Vince Gilligan style. Yes, let's get her in some more dramatic roles. <laughs> uh, just killing it. Uh, all right, that was news. Uh, you didn't really have any nuggets. I had that little nugget about the the coding thing. I have one more thing that we need to go over before we get into fun games. Okay. I, I messaged you about this the other day because I was trying to think of some people that are on, on the outskirts of my mind. Yeah, I was curious to see when this was going to come back and in what form. That fit the bill. Also, I just so want to be clear. I was half asleep while I was sending you that list of incredibly totally random names. Totally fine. No, this will be great because we're going to do a little bit of it I live. I was dozing here. through uh, watching a movie and I would like wake back up and like, I got a name <laughs> just throw it across. Like and so it's so a, a buddy at work, Luke, Luke, if you're listening, this one's for you. This entire segment will be for you. Uh, he had, there was a, there was a conversation going on at work. Uh, our, our boss was Josh. He was saying that, Oh, uh, Damien's never never seen There Will Be Blood. Anthony, how do you feel about this? I am the go-to movie person at the company. Naturally. Uh, Anthony, how do you feel about this? And I was like, uh, I actually, I own it. I haven't watched it yet. And he he was floored. He could not believe it. And uh, then somebody said, then Luke, I think, said something about Daniel Day-Lewis. And I was like, I, I know it's an unpopular opinion. I was like, but I have thoughts on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he was like, I am unsubscribing <laughs> So this is an attempt to get him to resubscribe, download this episode, and listen to it. I'm going to tell him that we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to give him the names, and he's going to have to get it from the episode. Here was my point. My whole thing. Not Daniel Day-Lewis is by no means a bad actor. That's not at he's all what this conversation guy. is. He's I, I find him to be an eight in my book. No, he's a really good actor. That's, that's fine. I find him to be an eight. I prefer a lot of people to him. Okay. And well, I but, started to Well, could you write... ask me for your favorite act, or actors? I think if, I remember the way you phrased the question was. Mm -hmm. Give me some actors that I like, meaning you, Anthony. Like, yeah. that like aren't obvious. Which was, like, the first struggle for me was because I like came up with like 10 names. And I was like, but no, I know he likes all There's no way he's going to forget yeah. that. Like, I don't have to tell oh. you Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey's one of your favorite actors. He always has. Sure. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure, whatever. sure. Like, I was trying to see if you would spark something that I had that I didn't have on my list. I, we didn't really hit anybody. You mentioned some that that are definitely on there. Yeah. Um, but these are people that I, I, I think that I, again, I think Daniel Lewis is a good actor. These are people that I prefer. Well, it's like favorite is, is not necessarily the same conversation as best either. I am. I don't think that. I, okay, so Daniel Day Lewis really dives into a role. I totally respect it, right? And he pulls off that. Uh, he pulls off that method actor very well, where he really. Which is what I'm getting at is like the quality of his acting. There are maybe some people who are in the same conversation as him, but I don't know anyone like fully necessarily transcends him. But that doesn't mean it's someone like anytime he's in a role, it's going to draw you to want to see it per se. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily think that that's the. I do think that that what. What he does, that dramatic role that he does, I do think that while he seems to fully embody the character that he's playing, it doesn't show, to me, it hasn't showed a lot of depth. Or not depth, a lot of range. There's a lot of depth in the singular characters, but I don't think that there is a tremendous amount of range. I do think that he's 
he's always either a little bit crazy or a lot of it sad. Those that have that has been like I feel like the two main characteristics that he portrays, and he portrays them very well. Sure, but I mean, like John Proctor and the guy from There Will Be Blood—I I don't remember his name—and Bill the Butcher and mm-hmm. the guy from Phantom Thread and the guy from My Left Foot and um, what's someone the, oh, the guy from The Last of Mohicans? Like those are all. I thought you. Were, I thought you were going to say the guy from Lincoln. <laughs> And Lincoln. Those are all very wildly different the guy, characters. The guy, what was his name? What was his name? What was his name? <laughs> wildly different characters with wildly different aspects. Not to say that they don't have overlap, but those are all distinctly different characters. Now, like, sure, like, he's never gone and done, like, straight comedy or anything, but sure. that's not the only version of Ranger there. Like, those characters I just mentioned, that's not at all of his filmography, but it's most of his biggest, most important roles. Mm-hmm. All of the ones that he's been nominated and or won for. So that's those that's a pretty impressive range. And I'm not saying that there haven't been other people who have maybe done even wilder off the board things per se, but like you'd have to get outside of drama to do that. Sure. Uh but that being said, I feel like an actor or actress that can I'm gonna say actor across the board. An yeah, actor that sorry. can go uh that can jump genre and deliver in my opinion, is a better actor. Sure. To maybe my point is maybe, well, I mean, the, the, the genres of all those movies are pretty different that I've mentioned, but like, let's say if you're going to include like comedy, as far as like breaking, like, like he maybe just has no interest in that. You know what I mean? Like sure. he might be Could funny be. as fuck and we would never know because it's just not interesting. Mm, that's fair. Like, cause like Meryl Streep will go full dark, deep drama, but she'll mm-hmm. do something light and fun. But obviously she enjoys doing that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make her a better actress, even though she's an incredible actress. She may be the greatest actress of all time. Sure. I mean, well, there's there's no actual way mm-hmm. that you could say that about anybody, right? Because it is all, at the end of the day, this is all opinion. Mm-hmm. I was just, my whole point was that for me, I think Daniel Day-Lewis is a very good actor, but I think he's an eight. An eight, and I was starting to write a list of well, people. I would, have that to hear, I, would, I would have to hear what you would say as a ten to evaluate that. You know, sure. Uh, I would have to the, the list of people that I made. I'm are in the eight to ten range. Because, like, for me, like I wouldn't put Daniel Day Lewis anywhere near my favorite actors. But if mm-hmm. you ask me who I think the best actors are, he's going to be at or very near the top of the list. Sure, like he would come up in any conversation, but he's also, you know, it's been talked about to death. I was just trying to, it's just not for, it's, he's just, him in particular, he's, I think he has done great things. I have liked him in certain things. I just, he's just, for whatever reason, he's just not for me. And that's not, yeah, no, like, that's I, I've, and I think, so he, here are some, I'm going to start, I'm just going to start going through the list, stop me at anywhere. And uh, if you agree or disagree, if some, some of these people you might want to take off entirely, that's, that's totally so, fine. So wait, this, what am I, what am I evaluating exactly? Just like, I'm just kind of, I'm just going to rattle some off. These are my eight to 10. Well, you said stop me. So like, what am I? If there's me? anybody that you want to particularly like shout out or that you, you, that you really disagree with, I would like to know that. So, uh, but like, so am I saying like, I think this person is better or worse or just deserves to be in the conversation? With this? Um, I guess just deserves to be in the conversation okay. because again, like I think ranking them is a fool's errand. Like sure. it's, I, it, you know, my, I just think these, these are people you that can say there are other people you think deserve to be in the conversation with him. I think I would be hard pressed to buy anyone over. Him. Okay. That's, that's fair. I wonder how I'll be able to win you over with a second one on this list. Um, well, I was like, number one, I was like, before you get started, 
of the list of names that I gave you haphazardly half asleep, the name mm-hmm. that I thought there's a chance you had him on your list, but maybe would have overlooked him, which was the whole point of the exercise. And I knew you were both going to a like and b respect the actor is Hugo. So I sure. know he's gonna he is success. on he he is on the list. I think that he's a tremendous actor. Actor, I think that he does ridiculous things. Yes, um, and I know that you particularly like him. I just didn't know. Like I, I was wondering when I said the name, I was like, "Ooh, this has a chance to be one that he overlooked." Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I love Hugo Weaving. Yeah, I think he's great. Um, and I do think that like Long you want to talk range, since literally our like, first episode that we love. We both. Love he him. is. He can be all over the place and deliver a ten out of ten performance. Mm-hmm. It would. It's just mm-hmm. bananas. Uh, he's fantastic. I have on here. Uh, this one I could totally understand if folks would agree, would disagree with it, uh, but for me, like I I think Heath Ledger is fantastic. I mean, m- most people really respect him. If if for nothing else than the role of the Joker, sure. But uh, I don't know. We we did the we did a Night's Tale the other day, and to 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 put those performances to like that that I mean, he could he's just he delivers. He is. Well, I mean, an he's incor- even good in the Patriot, like. Yeah, oh my god, great movie. Uh, but like, yeah, I wouldn't so have anyway. been like, oh, like amazing, but like, good, very good, you know? Yeah, okay, that's fair. So uh, to me, I think helped. he has one singular performance and then just like a strong, unfortunately small body of work, but it's one singular performance. So like, I'm not going to put him in the conversation with with Daniel Day-Lewis just because like, I think you got to do it more than one time of noteworthy like achievement. This this next actor, um, I would put at probably, uh, I, I want to put him at a 10. It's a nine or a ten, but I'm leaning towards ten. It's Alan Rickman. Yeah, I think Alan Rickman's a phenomenal actor. Um, I don't know that he got. I mean, it's hard because we're going to have a lot of character actors on this list. Like Hugo Weaving's character actor, Alan sure. Rickman's a character actor. They're not typically leads. <clears throat> if they are, they're not in big productions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these people might be nominated for best supporting actor. They're never going to be nominated for best actor, right? I, I am noticing from my list that I do lean more towards praising supporting actors. Yes. Uh, which I had a they, I, they also, they carry the movie. So, yeah. So <laughs> like, it's hard to make an apples apples comparison between Alan Rickman and because they're asked to carry different weights. Right. right. Um, but as far as the quality of the acting, I have no problem with you putting He's a tremendous actor. Okay. Mahershala Ali. Excellent actor. All right. I, I, would, uh, I would put him behind Daniel Day-Lewis, but like, is he an excellent actor? Okay, Andrew Scott. Do you? I, I'm not sure if you know who he is. He's the guy who he bit. was in Fleabag, and he was in Dunkirk in that little role in the beginning. He, uh, Dunkirk? Not Dunkirk. 1917. Yeah, wrong yeah. wrong movie. Um, I think he's. I know tremendous. of him obviously, but other than 1917, I've never actually. Uh, okay, that's fair. Steve Carell. He's a really good actor. I never saw. Fox catcher, but he is a very talented actor and obviously he's been going dark for some time now. It feels like he's chasing some. Yeah, I, I, I if you need any more proof for him, you watch the morning show and my goodness. Well, I know he, he was in it? Space Force, which is a comedy, obviously, mm-hmm. but like it does feel like he's really been chasing something for the last like, Yeah, he's got years. he's definitely got those Gilligan vibes. He's he's a he's a comedian that could really deliver a dramatic role. Uh on the same note, uh, Reese Witherspoon, I really like. You know, I hear a lot of people say that, and I'm like, I just haven't seen her in anything. Like, I always just think that's of fair. her as legally blonde, and it's like, that's mm. probably not fair to her because she's been in a lot of other things. I just haven't seen them. So I would suggest not that I've seen uh, legally blonde, but like I've seen 
clips of it, obviously. It's a super famous. I, I think we're, we're going to have to get you a way to watch the morning show, but also little fires everywhere. Yeah, I no, I Whoa. didn't see it, but I, I remember everyone talking about it when it was on. So, uh, And uh, this is great because these are all leading into each other. Speaking of little fires everywhere, I also have Kerry Washington in this. I think she's amazing. It's funny because to me, she's like, <laughs> I always think of her from the Fantastic Four where she plays. <laughs> What's his name's girlfriend in that? And yeah. like, I never would have thought from just seeing like random actress in that movie, like, oh, she's going to become an acclaimed actress. And mm-hmm. I know what, what was the show she was on? Was it Scandal? Was that the one? Uh, yeah. Um, I know that she's become very well regarded. I just don't. It's incomplete for me because I just haven't seen her in anything that she's been Fair enough. well acclaimed for. Uh, next one on my list uh, is probably uh, it's definitely a close to the top, uh, maybe one of my favorites. Uh, unfortunately, I do need to see more of his work, but from what I've seen, I've I've loved every minute of it, and that's Sam Rockwell. <laughs> he's a good actor. Uh, he when you you're talking about range, he does have range. He will do a decent amount of comedy. Um, <laughs> he all he flirts with the line. In the Green Mile, I was actually just watching a bit of that the other day. Um, he flirts with the line from Tropic Thunder about never go full that um, in that role. Mm-hmm. And he's just barely on the right side of it to not be full like camp in that regards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's got some interesting like credentials. Again, more of a character actor, I guess, or at least not a leading man. Sure. Um, but a talented actor. I, I don't know that I would. Some of it's too cheesy and campy, so I don't know if I would put him in mm. the Daniel Day conversation, but he is a very good actor. Uh, he, I, I, I love his performances. I've got Jennifer Lawrence on the list. It's funny because I haven't really seen her flex that muscle in a few years. Mm-hmm. But it's like, been a while. She definitely got off to a hot start. Um, yeah. She's, she's a good actress. Uh, Alan Tudyk. I love Alan Tudyk. He is on the now list. You actually like mentioned super him. Super character though, because like half his yeah. stuff is voice work. Uh, Catherine Hahn is also on my list. <laughs> when you're going well, more towards the comedy end, yeah, she. Okay. J.K. Simmons. See, now is where. So you're getting into the. Yeah, you know, you've got the the Rickman, the weaving, the the. Oh my god! I just drew a blank. Even though you just said his name two seconds ago. Um, so who did you just say? Rockwell? Rock, no, no. Literally, who are we talking about right now? J.K. Simmons. Uh, so, yeah, sorry. The, oh. <laughs> Simmons and Defoe, like all of those guys mm. are like, I imagine Defoe might be on that list as well. I actually forgot about Defoe. He, he's, he's the one I find him. I don't, I didn't, I did think about him. I didn't put him on because I, I, I do think he's very good, but he is also, he does play the same guy a lot. Like more often, I feel like. than. Well, the funny thing not. is that there's, there's portions of that catalog that are wildly different than when you think of like kind of the crazy Defoe, like sure. Whether it be in platoon or Hmm. um, I forget what the name of the movie is, but when he plays Jesus, um, yeah. What was that? I forget what it's called. Um, is it last temptation? Yes. The last temptation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of view those guys as like a similar grouping off to the side because they are the character actors, you know, like your weavings, your Rickmans, your Defoe's, your Simmons, like those guys 
super super talented actors just not mm-hmm. often asked maybe actually of all of them like defoe is asked most often to be a more of a lead in man and mm-hmm. still not much with him yeah. um and uh, oh, so i just had someone flesh oh the guy who broke out of that mold who i'm gonna throw on there who i'm sure is on your list and if you want to put him in the conversation with daniel de lewis absolutely is gary oldman yeah yeah he is absolutely on the list i uh gary oldman kills because like I would the, have viewed him more as the character guy, but he's broken that mold a bit to be a bit closer to not like the leading man in like the traditional sense, but in the sense that like, oh, it's a Gary Oldman movie, right? Like it's a Daniel Day Lewis movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just now walked into his picture of him in Fifth Element. Uh, Oscar Isaac. He's working his way there. I know he's, he's got, not he's, quite he's as not young. there yet, but he's on his way. I know he's not like young in the way I want to say like oh like he's young, but like as far as like his like star his catalog, yeah, it's still yeah. he's building that portfolio. But even him, well, actually, he kind of falls pr- a little bit prior to your range argument. But mm, um, that's actually fair. But what he has done within not a super limited range, but not a, a broad one either. And I guess they let him flesh a little bit of his comedic role in the Star Wars stuff. But mm-hmm. um, between... Who talks first? Was that? First? <laughs> I talk first? <laughs> between doing... Between elevating weak material in Star Wars, between a really strong, random, like, historical thing in Show Me a Hero. Um, I've still not gotten a chance to see him inside Lewin Davis, but obviously I've heard that's... He did a great job in that. I think he was nominated. I know the movie was. I think so. Yeah. Um, His bit in Annihilation is good. His bit in X Machina is great. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big Oscar Isaac fan. um, But I I just don't think he has the portfolio. Uh, Where do you stand on Denzel? He's an interesting one because he's done a great job, but he doesn't Mm -hmm. have a ton of great movies. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's weird for such a good actor who's so famous, who's been in so many things. Like, a lot of good things, but not much great. Yeah. Like, is it... It's Training Day? Which I never even have gotten to see, unfortunately. Man on Fire. Man on Fire, tremendous movie. Tremendous performance. But that's, like, to me, like, those two movies are, like, it. it, What about Remember the Titans? It's good. It's a bit schlocky. Like, not... not, Actually, that's not schlocky. But it, it... um, it's it's just very of its time and very um, sure. I, I think like, his classic performance movie, like, stands out. What's that though? His performance in that movie stands out though. Oh yeah, no, he, I mean he does a good job, but like there's a limiting factor with that movie. Sure, you know, um, and like a lot of the movies I think of when I think like oh like Denzel like Inside Man, really solid movie, mm-hmm. good performance, but like you're not holding that up against anyone as an all timer like. I enjoy um, Out of Time. Is that the name of the movie? I always forget the name of it. Well, with him and Eva Mendez. Um, uh, he's a cop in the Florida Keys. Like, it's a fun, entertaining movie. It's not a great movie. It's not a great performance, but it's a it's a good Denzel, like, Workman performance. Yeah. Oh, I, I just looked him up real quick to find out the movie that you were talking about. And uh, Book of Eli popped up. I forgot how much I liked that movie. I know. Everyone loved that movie. I never actually saw it. Hmm. And like um, you're not like putting like was it Crimson Tide? Is that the the one the the submarine movie? Like good, uh, like good movie, um, but like hmm. not something you're gonna hold up. Bradley Cooper. 
very good. I don't know. There's just always something about him that's kind of like, like he's a very very good actor. I would yeah. put him in a in a like let's call it second tier. I was like, gonna say it, there's something. I, I think he's very good. Uh, he he's not one note, but he might be two note. <laughs> is, is where I was where I was like landing you know, on you know it. I couldn't is, figure some, it out for some reason. I just get this like aura of like try hard from him. Mm. Like, well, like he's a like, he is a good actor, like a, like a very good one. But like, I don't know. I don't view him as like a great actor. Like, and I never saw a Star Is Born, but like I've seen enough of the clips. I've seen the song and all that, and like I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Being, yeah. Maybe I'm not being fair to him, but like. There's nothing wrong with being really, really good and not being called great, right? Yeah. Um, wait, oh, oh, sorry. I, I lost my list for a second there. Uh, okay, I'm going to give you... Oh, <laughs> this one's funny. I actually have on here, with an aster, Army Hammer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to like him anymore. <laughs> I don't think... I think we should just steer clear of him. All right. Unless, All unless right. we're talking about Ord, we're just going to steer clear. All right. So, all right. We're moving, we're moving past him. Uh, two uh, items, two guys that I'm I've got my eye on that I believe will inevitable that will I believe will end up on the list. I'm not entirely I wouldn't put them there just yet, but I think they're making their way onto it. Um, oh, actually, I skipped over Sorcerer Ronan. I do have her on here. I think she's very great. Uh, I like what I've seen of her. She was good in Lady Bird. I know I would like that movie better than you did, but yeah. Uh, Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson. I think we'll get on the list over time. Yeah, I mean, Pattinson's older and he's already... Although, I mean, for being so young, Chalamet has done a really good job, but I like what I've seen out of Pattinson's work so far. There's a couple of things of his that I'd like to check out that I haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. Um, kind of a guy-heavy list. Not that, I mean, there's reasons for that, obviously, but... Yeah. Um... Yeah, because originally I was making the comparison, then I started thinking, I was like, but then names are popping into my head, uh, and I was putting them out there. I'm, like, su- I'm surprised you haven't put on here Adam Driver. I'm, I really like him. He's not my cup of tea, but he is a good actor. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure where he is, but uh, I, I, can, I can put him on there. Um, I'm more just observing, I'm surprised that you hadn't, because he is acclaimed, he is very talented, I'm not really a huge fan of him, but I can see that is talented and he does have some range when he chooses to do comedy. It doesn't seem like that's the thing that really like floats his boat, but like he does it pretty well. Yeah. I want to see Ray Seahorn in more things. Yeah. I was going to say, where's, where's the Ray Seahorn in here? Um, again, again, not nominated. It's, it's in golden gloves. At this point. It feels like it feels intentional. I, it's a joke, right? <laughs> it really is absurd. Um, but yeah, I don't know. These are just some things I was thinking about. Like I would, I, I, it, for me personally, I would much rather watch a movie with any of those folks than um, they, they come. I, I'd be more if you put two movies side by side. I feel like there's a if I'm going on like the um, the bill alone, I'm picking them over a movie with Daniel. Can Williams. I can I lob in four actors and actresses all from the Americans who deserve to be on the <laughs> sure. list? That put them in. Mentioned what do you got? Two of them leading characters. Two of them more. Character actors, at least that's been my experience with them. Um, one of them, I don't know, I might have a blind spot years ago, or maybe he was more believing man, I don't know. But as far as the character actors and actresses, it's Frank Langella. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, Mar- character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> she is tremendous. Uh. Um, and also the two leads, Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell. 
Yeah, I haven't seen I I really like Carrie Russell in what I've seen, but I haven't seen her in a lot. She's really, really good. Yeah. So weird that you didn't have Tom Hanks on this list. So then there were yeah, there were people I feel like I actually I when I was writing the list, I wasn't I was leaving obvious people off of it, and then I started putting some of them onto it, and I probably should have went back. But yeah, Tom Hanks, I, I actually didn't have Denzel on the list, but I feel like he should be on the yeah. list. I didn't have Meryl Streep on the list, but I feel like she's like a no like yeah. it's it's an obvious one. Like not a ten and eleven like kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um Yeah. Who else who else were you thinking? Um, I don't know. I'm Noticeable to, absences. I'm trying to kick through now. So I, I added my four Americans. Um, I mean, what's his name? He's really become an incredible actor. Um, Peter Dinklage. Yeah, he is great. What about what about uh, uh, either of the Mickelsons? I feel like they they are they <laughs> play a similar character. Yeah, I mean, Lars hasn't been given a lot of. Meteor roles. Stragable. Like, <laughs> I'm like I, I, I think Mads Mickelson is incredible. And if we want to go into the, the Hannibal stuff, um, Hugh Dancy um, and. Mm. Oh, yeah, he is good. Hugh Dancy and Mads Mickelson both deserve. And actually, uh, I forget. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's Carolyn Daverness or something like that. She was um, Dr. Alana Bloom on that show. She was really, really strong. That's the only thing I've seen her in, though. Mm. So the three of them um, are all pretty incredible. You uh, didn't mention Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, I'm guessing mm-hmm. you would have had Jim Carrey on there of your like main list of guys that. Uh, yeah, the thing he's one of those ones, though, where I feel like I there is something I, I like him a lot, but I could understand other people not. But I think that whether you like him or not, it's unquestionable how talented he is because he's like, unlike yeah. someone like Adam Sandler, who has done okay in his dipping in his toe of the the dramatic roles, um, like Carrie is really well regarded for playing Andy Kaufman, which I know he's a comedian, but like that role he was in was a that was, dramatic yeah, role, that was a right? Crazy movie. I never saw yeah. it, but um, I mean, that's something like. Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, which you liked better than I did, I think, when we did that for the show. Um, I wasn't a huge No, I'm pretty sure that I remembered liking it a lot, and then when we did it, I was very disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't remember. I I watched it, and by the end, I was like, that wasn't good. (laughs) I remember being excited to see it and being disappointed by it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fair. Actually, just kind of Jumping through that movie for a minute. Kirsten Dunst is a really good actress. Yeah. And you could probably follow that rabbit hole to find a whole slew of people who deserve to be on this list from Fargo, um, including Jesse Plemons, who the two of them played a couple of mm. them. In their oh my God. Real life that a guy now. is so creepy in so many things and then so funny in so many things. Jesse Plemons in, what was that, Game Night? Mm-hmm. He was out of his mind in that movie. <laughs> um, but there's a million people in that show who are, like, honestly, to this point, too many to, to like, name. But, like, mm-hmm. Martin Freeman's really good. Oh, I love him. Yeah, he, I forgot to put him on my list. Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, what's his name? David Thewlis. Oh, obviously. Uh, Hayden Christensen. Not on Fargo. Not a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Asshole. <laughs> um, I just had someone, 
and the wasp. Where'd they go? Yeah. Where'd, uh, where did they go? What do I do? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> fuck. Al, why don't you rattle off the last few that you sent me, and we'll wrap this up, uh, just in case we missed anybody. Sure. So this is my awkward stream of consciousness <laughs> from when I'm half asleep, and you'll be able to see them uh, all botched together here. But uh, Ray Seahorn, Gary Oldman, Hugo Weaving, Oscar Isaac, Pedro Pascal, Carl Weathers, mm. Jim Broadbent, Alan Tudyk, Tom Hiddleston, who's great, Charlize Theron, Natalie Portman, Cynthia Erivo, and Tom Holland, and Ewan McGregor, Jeremy Irons, and Margot Robbie. Yeah, there's, there's some solid names on there. All people I would prefer to watch, personally. Uh, let's get into some fun and games. We've, we've, we've rambled on long enough, I think. If you insist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, out for this week's fun and games i've got a music related one uh, if i can find it it'll be great uh which metal band matches your personality Ooh, interesting okay I-, I wouldn't say that i'm necessarily super into metal although i do like some acts that are like very hard rock it can be hard to kind of draw the line sometimes for me all right well, I think that this first question is perfect because it says on a scale of one to ten, how much of a metalhead are you? Mind you, there's only four options. Ten, six, eight, or four. <laughs> go with six. But I wanted to say seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which of these metal song lyrics resonates with you? You've got to roll with the punches to get to what's real. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, well, you just might find... You get what you need. It's fun to read these. That's not fucking metal. Yeah. Maybe it's not too late to learn how to love and forget how to hate. Everybody's got a reason to live, baby. Everybody's got a dream and a hunger inside. That's not metal. (laughs) The other lyrics sound familiar, but I can't pick the songs. But Mm. the Rolling Stones one is not metal. Yeah. Uh, But let's go with that one just because it's a good, good line and I know it. How often do you listen to rock music? Every day. I don't pay attention to how often I listen to it. A few times a week. Every now and again. A few times a week. Great Ben Bailey skit on the phrase every now and again. He's like, that's that's more often than it sounds. That's every now, 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 <laughs> now, and again. What is the best way to listen to music? On headphones? It doesn't matter. On speakers? On my computer? On speakers. Which of these metal albums did you own? Master of Puppets, Iowa, Follow the Leader, Vulgar Display of Power. Let's go with Master of Puppets because the only one I actually know. Which of these concerts would you want a backstage pass to? Rihanna, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, or Justin Bieber? Again, none of those are... Maybe, maybe there's like some deeper level that pulls out what metal band you are? Sorry, so you know. said... Justin Bieber, Rihanna. Gaga, Gaga. Bruno Mars. Lady Gaga. Okay. How many metal albums did you own? More than 10, 1 to 3, 4 to 6, 7 to 9. That was an interesting order of options. Sure. Let's go with 4 to 6, just for estimation. If you were to win a musical award, what would it be? A Grammy, an American Music Award, a Billboard Music Award, an MTV Award? Let's go with a Grammy. Nice. If you were to take a tour of the world, where would you start? London, Copenhagen, Los Angeles, New York. London. 
If you were famous, which of these headlines would be made about you? My secret affair, my DUI, my public fight, my nude photos. <laughs> um, I guess my public fight? Which of these words describes you? Hardworking, passionate, caring, or confident? These quizzes are really silly that we do. <laughs> um, caring. I think I'm going to buy a Mad Libs book, like a legit one, for future episodes. <laughs> when you can't find a good quiz. To yeah, do. yeah. When it's not like super related to what we're doing. Which of these animals is your spirit animal? A panther, a parrot, an owl, a dolphin? Panther. <laughs> it's made with bits of real panther. <laughs> what scares you most? Failure, death, losing people? Nothing scares me. Failure. When did you get angry? Oh, sorry. When you get angry, you tend to hit something, write about it, tell yourself to calm down, cry. Tell myself to calm down. Which of these is your poison? Alcohol, drugs, sex, or other? I guess alcohol? If you had one wish, what it would be for? Okay, Charlie Day. (laughs) Money, power, love, happiness. Love. After a drunken night out with friends, you go straight to bed, mend myself with hydration fluid, continue the party the next day, usually don't remember what happened. (laughs) Hydration fluid. (laughs) Nice. How would you describe your style? Punk, preppy, casual, trendy? Casual. Super cash. What color clothing is your wardrobe mostly made up of? Black, blue, red, there is no one dominant color. I don't wear clothes. I mean, I'm currently not wearing a shirt, but uh, the answer would have been gray. Okay, we'll go with black. With black. Right. Which of these makeup items can you not live without? Eyeliner, eyeshadow, mascara, or a highlighter? I don't wear makeup. Yeah, but you can't live without one of these. I'm going to go eyeliner. (laughs) Okay, if that makes you Which of these colors would you dye your hair? Purple, blue, jet black, or green? Uh, let's go with green. Why not? Let's say I made a character in a video game that looked like you once, but I gave the blue hair. Nice. What do you look for in a significant other? Respect, physical attraction, honesty, a sense of humor. Um, sense of humor. If you were to play an instrument, what would it be? Drums, acoustic guitar, electric guitar, keyboard. Electric guitar. Nice. What is your favorite type of meat? Turkey, beef, chicken, or other? Other, like, mystery meat? Is other pork? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go with beef. Yeah. It's what's for dinner. How long does it take you to get ready in the morning? An hour? One and a half hours? 45 minutes? 30 minutes? 45 minutes. What kind of home would you settle down in? A condo, a cabin, a mansion, a townhouse? Uh, condo. (laughs) How about house <laughs> yeah i was like None what is your favorite both? holiday to celebrate halloween christmas easter or thanksgiving christmas which of these horror themed shows do you watch the walking dead penny dreadful american horror story or stranger things i guess the walking dead even though i haven't really watched it like a oh i did not put that on what we're watching but i did watch it that's that which that group go? did you belong <laughs> to in high school peacemakers nerds hipsters or jocks I mean, I kind of dabbled in all of that. I guess. What is what is peacemaker? Well, I was I don't know what that means, but um, uh, let's go with the jocks because I play a lot of sports. But what kind of metal music is your favorite? Deathcore, alternative, black. I don't have a favorite. Alternative. 
Okay. Uh, you got Metallica for because of that one question you asked way back when. Um, I will say that before I took the quiz to see how long it was, and I decided that it's it's almost too long, but went with it anyway. And I just selected random answers down the left side, and I also got Metallica. So <laughs> I think this is bullshit. Anyway, based on the answers that you chose, the rock band that matches your personality is Metallica. You've always been a very popular person who others look up to. You always speak your mind, even though it may come off as harsh sometimes. And that is one of the... Oh my God, this is the longest sentence ever. (laughs) And that is one of the reasons people seek your advice when making tough decisions. That was exhausting, Al. I think it's time for our flick of the week. Sound of Metal, released in 2019, rated R with a two-hour... Exactly two hours? Fascinating. A two-hour runtime. A heavy metal drummer's life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. All right, that's fair. That's a, I guess that's a, a freefall seems a little... I guess that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I, good good movie. I, 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 was, I, I, I liked it. Yes. That was, was a well-executed movie. Al, hit me with your tweet length. Sure, I'm just trying to find it here real quick. Sure. Um... A small, intimate story about losing an irreplaceable part of yourself and finding the rest of you along the way. Eight out of ten. Nice. Nice. I've got... Oh, we're on the same, we're on the same page score-wise. I've got tragically loud and quietly beautiful. Rest in peace, Donut. Eight out of ten. <laughs> um, uh, were you doing, like... A, was it Jonathan Safran Fowler incredibly loud and... And, or was it insanely loud, incredibly close, whatever the hell it was? Were you doing a riff on that? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, with your tweet like review that felt like it fit that convention of the title of that book slash movie. Uh, uh, what movie? I forget exactly what it's something. I'm going <sighs> to say no <laughs> to your question. <laughs> it's a well known. It's a well known. Oh, 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 no, I, no, I wasn't extremely loud and incredibly yes, close. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, okay. Sorry. That, that was something first... that I completely forgot about. I always forget about that first adverb, which one it is. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that movie. That was heavy. Yes. This movie's pretty heavy. Uh, and not just because it's about metal. Uh, it's not really <laughs> about metal. Yeah. There's only, there's only a little bit of metal early on. Uh, man, I, there's been a number of movies in the past. I've heard the, I've heard of the phrase before, and I've only been able to spot it a few times. Where like the location is a character, you know that that whole mm-hmm. that whole concept. Uh, I'm not sure that I've ever noticed that the sound of the movie has been a character, and I thought they did the a pretty tre- tremendous job with it. Yeah, the sound of metal is the lead. <laughs> <laughs> But well, uh, no, it, so it, is the sound the lead or the is sound it editing the camera work that's the lead? Because those two things are majority of my uh, notes. I'm gonna go with the sound editing specifically because early on in the movie, before we even before we show you our lead character starting to lose his hearing, you can't really hear anything. And at first, my my gut reaction when the movie started was to be annoyed. But knowing what the movie was about, I was like, oh, you're setting me up big time right now. <laughs> and boy, were they. And then there was the whole thing. Like, if you're listening to this with, like, a decent sound system, uh, they they did a lot of the sound effects through just bass level. And it causes a constant 
hum and vibration that makes it very disorienting. And it's I, it feels very intentional. You are it is as if your ears are clogged, yes. and uh, you keep looking over at Kim, and she's she's grabbing her nose and she's pulling on her ears. I'm like, it's not you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely the movie. Yeah, uh, but they did a great say, job of of conveying that. I would say definitely between both the visual and the audio aspects, you feel like you experience this alongside him, which is yeah really powerful. And we'll talk about that some more as we go. Yeah, a lot of spiraling disorientation. Yeah, um, but the reason I brought up the camera work too is, and, and we can get into it some more as we go, but um, that some of the stuff that they did with the extreme close-ups and the handheld camera stuff, I found it mm-hmm. really compelling to make this so much more intimate where it feels like you are either right there next to him or going through it simultaneously with him. Yeah, um, well, okay, let's 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 stick with that for a minute. What is the deal? Oh, I, I'm still I still can't figure out when this is good and when this is bad. In this movie, I liked it. I thought it did a great job. In other movies, it makes me sick and I can't stand it. And I think it's being overused. Is there a fine line? And I've noticed that, and I just can't figure out where that line is. Or is it just that this is just a better movie? What? For example, just when you when a lot of times the cat when the camera is up the actor's nose, I'm not a huge fan. I'm usually not a fan. Uh, I did think it worked really well here. It needs to be done judiciously. There has to be a good reason, whether it be purely narrative or purely character driven. And in this case, it did a lot of both of those things um, mm-hmm. because it it almost feels like you could be, depending on what scene and what specifically they were doing, you feel like you could be, say, his girlfriend who is trying to reach out to him and find out if he's okay because... Right. She can't hear you and you don't understand what's going on, right? Or it could be character development stuff where it's, I mean, Rizamed is a tremendous facial actor. Um, if mm. you, we talked about him a little bit um, in the previous segment, um, whether it be The Night of, Rogue One, or this. He does a lot with his eyes. He, yeah. I mean, part of it is he kind of like has bug eyes, or at least he can have them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's not like that at all times, but when he, he has that really intense, like, stick. Uh, but it's not just the eyes and the, the stare stuff. It's you can see the the muscles of his face. They are incredibly expressive, mm-hmm. um, and you can see the turmoil and the pain um, in his face so well. And to to be given, you know, an extreme close up of that while he's going through, where he's trying to process information that he he doesn't understand, like can't understand in that moment, um, yeah. and to watch that evolution over the course of the movie as he starts to come to terms with some of these things and see how the turmoil on his face gives way to quiet eventually that mm. I found to be really compelling. Um, yeah. Both from like the actual movie standpoint and from um, just his performance. Yeah, man, he, he really, he really does deliver. I, I think one of the scariest concepts is in the movie is the, uh, we see the first time that his hearing dips. And it's the first time he's realizing it and you're going through it with him. And that was one of the times where they were, where they, where they made the right choice of being up close with the camera so that you could feel it with him. Like that, like, and like really focusing on his face and what he's going through and like blurring out the background, like, right. Like having, bringing the camera like full frame, like right on his face so that everything else is kind of washed out. Did a real, like really, uh, it made an incredible effect. And it, 
uh, when you know he's like, kind of grabbing his nose, he's grabbing his ears, uh, he's like, kind of rubbing his face, like that whole thing, and you, and they they're doing that sound, that like that whirring sound that we've all heard at some point or mm-hmm. another. Like you know, every once in a while something goes, and you hear like a ring or a washout, and to be able to convey that with the audio storytelling that they did so well with his performance, really, it was amazing. Yeah, um, that. But seeing that first time that happens fairly fairly early on in the movie, it's it kind of really like puts you in your seat. You're like, oh man, like this is gonna be intense, like because it was creepy, like the way that it unfolds, like yeah. it, it was heavy to experience, um, and th- they nailed it. And then it's like it's kind of it was interesting because it like at, on paper and without diving in too deep, you're seeing this movie about. A guy whose life, uh, in part, revolves around his hearing, a, a very large portion of his life, because he is a drummer for a band. Uh, but I, the underlying story of him being an addict and how that plays into his recovery process of, or I guess not recovery, but like coping process, mm-hmm. is I think that's what makes for the really strong story that they tell. Which is interesting, too, because like it almost felt like a throwaway detail like was it paul in the the beginning yeah paul asked him like oh are you are you you an addict and he goes yeah and you know i've been clean was it three or four years whatever it was before you think about using when you found out that you losing a bad day (laughs) because i had a bad day you know yeah but then they kind of just leave it like it doesn't it, it becomes a show, don't tell after that, right? Like, we don't talk yes. about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll agree with that. A show, don't tell. Uh, the, I really loved that scene, though. So much happens in that scene that's super important. Um, that's the, the realization that he's been an addict. The question of... So he's in the... He, uh, we, we've jumped ahead a little bit, but, uh, but Ruben is talking to Paul in his little office. Uh, Lou was not allowed in. She was sitting outside. They're having their one-on-one time. And when he asks him, you know, that have you been an addict? What, like, you know, what was it? And his his answer being everything was really fascinating because that was like that was really like kind of leading into like an addictive personality. Um, it wasn't like just one vice, but like all of them. It seems like kind of like a spiraling situation. That was fascinating. I love the line uh, where he's like, "How long have you been sober?" And he says, four years." And then when he asks him how long him and Lou have been together, and he says, four years." I think that is such like that's another thing. Like it's it's very quick. But it's super important. Yeah. And I... Which, again, like, because they, they talked around it, right? Some in the movie where he says, you know, you saved me. You saved me, too. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That stuff was heavy. That, uh... uh we, we've talked... I just want to be clear. Like, we've talked about this in the past. We, we are jumping all over the movie and we'll be... Uh, we're not, like, holding back. We're just talking about the whole thing. So if you don't want anything spoiled for you, um, maybe watch it before going forward. But... <laughs> That being said, I don't think anything that we're going to talk about is really necessarily a spoiler because I do think it's more of an experience than the story itself. Yeah, this so, isn't really a movie with big twists or reveals in that nature. And yeah, experience is the way that you don't really watch this movie so much as experience it in yeah. the whole portfolio of sensory. But um, I uh, sticking sticking with that note of uh, you know you saved me, you saved me too. That that line, the way that relationship. Um, we kind of see we see a big chunk of it uh, without actually without seeing the specifics of like their closeness, but we kind but we get that feel just from the way that they interact with each other. 
the way that they, that relationship ends is really beautiful. Like there's something about like they like it was a it's best for both of them. They love each other, but they mutually move on from it. Like that, I don't know. There was something really fascinating about the way that they played that out. Yes. The only thing I'll say is I'm not entirely sure like I really got why it ended right then and there in that moment. Like you could see obviously they've been apart and maybe they didn't need each other the way they previously felt they needed each other, but there we didn't really see any of like the unwinding. Like there was nothing that showed to the specifics of them not trying to make it work. Like not even giving it a shot. So what I got out of it was that they, um, for the four years, they were each other's crutches. And uh, given the extenuating circumstance, uh, extenuating circumstance that they had to split apart um, so that he can get the help that he needed, they, uh, Lou was given time to think about what she wants to do and how she wants to go about it a bit. And he was kind of spiraling at that moment, but was coming to the realization that he does have to do this for himself. Mm-hmm. He needs to get by. And I do think that that's where it became important was like, they got themselves together through the last four years and they probably both would have been dead if they didn't meet each other at the time. But yeah. now that that has gone on and they've grown, they do need to figure out who they are themselves. And they can't do that together anymore because they will continue to hold each other up. And I think they had to go their separate ways to kind of for them each to blossom individually. I guess, and maybe it's hard to tell because you don't know what how much time passed. I don't think they ever really give you a specific. Yeah, I I kind of got it like a, a like a four month vibe out of certain things that were happening. It was definitely but, months. I just don't know how yeah. many. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, they have already gotten a decent snapshot of time of to like 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 how to do it on their own. And I'm not saying that they just like okay, let's just jump right back. But it's just. It was weird that it didn't, it felt like a period I kind of expected a more of an ellipses, I guess, kind of there mm-hmm. where it's like, this might have to be goodbye for now, mm-hmm. which isn't to say that it isn't that, but yeah. like it felt very final. And yeah, I think I, 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 which I kind of agree with you, like it doesn't necessarily feel like that it's the felt like it, that it has to be the end, but I think they need, they need to accept that it could be. Sure. It's just, it was like, I guess I kind of expected more of a, well, listen, this has worked out for us so far. Let's see where this takes us as opposed to this felt like goodbye. And I was just kind of like, but why does it have to be goodbye? Like, maybe you don't jump back into like, oh, we live together and we're on the road together again. But like, like if it didn't feel like it had to be goodbye is my point. You know, like there's mm-hmm. got to be somewhere in between that. Yeah. Well, I think there was something there is something to be said for like she Lou was getting to a point where she like she seemed to be starting to figure out what it was that she was looking for, what she really wanted to do, like uh, in her in her kind of solo career and like for herself and what she wants to explore. And he wasn't uh, Ruben wasn't getting to that point yet because he was he got himself hung up on it again. He was spiraling. Right. He was getting like his Lou fix which is what happened when he got to the computer and he saw her and that kind of spiraled into him selling the, the trailer and selling all the stuff. And then like getting the surgery and heading to Paris, like doing all of that stuff was, was like, that was kind of like him getting a fix, like getting his drugs, doing his thing. But like, it was just manifesting in a different way. It wasn't. See, I didn't think of it that way. 
but that's interesting. I, I kind of like that, but I think that makes sense. To me, what I found powerful in all of that was he's chasing the whole movie, right? Like they're chasing a career, then it's chasing a fix for his ears, then it's chasing, well, how do I deal with this? And then it's chasing her. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he goes through all of those things and realizes that almost by accident, he started creating the tools that he needed for himself along the way. When he finally got her and it felt like it wasn't quite going to work, even though they didn't really try. That that was the thing for me is like, it didn't feel like they like tried to make the new normal work. They just chose to go their separate ways. I'm not saying that's wrong per se. Uh, But but for, I can see what you're saying though. Cause for a movie that kind of, that, that, that that settles into individual moments and lets you kind of let, like lets them breathe. That part of it was a bit rushed. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. It just yeah. felt like the breakup part of it felt a bit rushed. Like it, like there wasn't like it didn't feel like there was a specific thing mm-hmm. that caused them to totally break. Like I like I said, I kind of got it. They were like, hey, let's keep trying this thing on our own. But like, why is this like a hard goodbye in this moment? Whatever. But anyway. In finally realizing it wasn't going to work with her is when he finally realizes that he can stop chasing. And that's the first Mm -hmm. true piece that he has in the whole movie. And so when they give us that whole, I don't remember how many minutes at the end of silence, that's like, that's the type of thing that I might've kind of gotten a little frustrated with in the past, Mm -hmm. but it felt earned in this specific instance in the movie. It was yeah, the whole I, thing is, I love you know, that he's chasing, he's chasing, he's chasing, he's chasing. And Paul is trying to teach him, and you know, can you sit in silence? And mm-hmm. he can't really like he tries, but he doesn't ever really accomplish it. And finally, when there's nothing to chase anymore is when he allows himself to do it and he can do it and gain some self satisfaction and peace from it. Right. And like to your point of him chasing, you know, chasing the, the career to well, first, it was probably chasing a high, then it was chasing the career, chasing this, chasing his hearing, things like that. Um, that is, again, that, that does lean. This is kind of marrying together nicely because that is leaning into that addictive personality. Yes. Right. And like and she was the last thing that he was chasing. And, and it was it was kind of a them breaking up as abrupt as it seems is kind of like a cold turkey situation. Yes. And uh, which is which is actually pretty powerful. And then, like you said, like leaning into like the going into that silent moment at the end, or moments at the end, after having that all of that sound design early on really built up to that moment where they cut the sound entirely. That was so cool. I thought they did a great job with that. Uh, and then I will, I will also say, uh, I cannot even imagine uh, hearing the way that he was hearing. I yes. was getting like I was almost getting nauseous from it, just like the with the implants, uh, the pitch. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the static. We talked a little bit right about like the silence and about like the losing of the hearing, but having it fade in and out like that, mm-hmm. I think, was really like powerful because like now is a moment where it's max chaos around him. So we're gonna throw you into that world, but then to advance the story, we're gonna gently pull you back out, and you can hear again because you're the audience. So. It wasn't really so much fourth world wall breaking stuff where it's like, instead, we're going to pull you in here. Okay, yeah. now we're going to put you back on your couch. You can watch what happens next. Up, oh, We're going to bring you back. It's just but, in case you forgot, this is what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but even more than just that on its own, 
seeing the different stages, right? Where it's like, okay, he's losing his hearing. He's lost his hearing. It's, you know, there's ebb and flow within that, you know, and then it's, it's gone completely. And then it's, he is getting it back with the implant and all that. You see and hear the different stages, which shows you this wide spectrum, which, it, you know, for people who can hear some relative version of normal, right, to see the wide range of outcomes as to what that's like, I thought was really interesting trying to empathize with that character because mm-hmm. it's, it's an experience that, that you and I and many people don't or won't have. Right. You know, and it makes it, it made it felt to me authentic. Now, you know, maybe someone else would feel that that's misrepresenting it, but I, I thought that felt authentic and ultimately made this a much more empathetic. Like, I, I agree with you. I also felt I, I was exhausted by the end um, just from like fighting to hear through. And there was like, even for the viewer, there is a wave of relief when it does cut to silence because you don't have to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought they really they really nailed it because they it definitely I will say feel it. I have a little gripe um, when the when he gets the implants. Mm. Now, like I do buy the explanation that okay, it's going to take a while because you know we're basically trying to trick your nerve endings into thinking you're hearing even though you actually aren't. Right? It's like right. I got that, but did it feel like she gave up on trying to calibrate them oh. a little too quickly? By God, so Kim has this. Uh, uh, she she hates that, right? She's she's been to she's had something. She's gone to a lot of doctors. And, like there's been times where she's just like, you didn't even go further. You didn't ask any more questions. You didn't probe. Like you just like kind of wrote it off. And she's like, but she tries once, tries twice, tries a third time, and she's like, well, that's that's just it. You're gonna have to get used to it. And she was just like, fucking doctors. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so like the thing is like I don't know the technology, right? Like right. it's entirely possible. Oh, maybe there's like three settings, and she cycled through the three settings, and it's like okay, it's going to take you some time. And like obviously, you know, there's a follow up appointment, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, she said, hey, "Listen, it's going to take some time." She's, now, also, she she tells him very explicitly, "Relax and let it settle in," and he immediately gets on a plane and flies to Europe. But right. um, you know, still and all, it felt like they should have spent more than. 45 seconds calibrating them. Like it felt like they should have given him some more. Now we, we don't see off screen. Maybe she gave more explicit instructions on like care. Yeah. For them right. it, we don't need to see that necessarily. Right. But like just the physical, like, okay. Like, yeah. Like, Oh no, it's not great now. Trust me. It'll be better. You come mm-hmm. back. If it hasn't settled, then we'll play with the settings some more. But on the front end, I feel like there needs to be a little bit more that's done. <laughs> I, I agree. There was like a, I think that what they, I, I feel like with that and kind of what you were saying uh, earlier about like the breakup, it seems like they just didn't give those scenes any time to grow. Like I feel like they hit that two hour mark and they were worried that they were going to maybe but be like, stretching it too much. Th- they probably could have though... given it like 10 minutes more. Like, But like, cause the thing is from like an actual like movie narrative, like story, like perspective, like all of those things, the breakup could have probably used like a whole nother scene that mm-hmm. shows why maybe it's not going to work out. Yeah, but that's playing with runtime, right? In this perspective, probably way less important to the movie, but just for like the kind of it was just a little bit immersion breaking for me. Where like, mm-hmm. if you spent oh I don't know ninety more seconds with that scene, it would have felt a little bit more yeah re- real and right, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. That yeah, it was it was very frustrating. Also, uh, so there's a couple things that I was really curious about. One, 
I find that technology to be fascinating. Like, oh, that is absolutely. wild, right? Uh, I am curious how, like, if, uh, like, how, like, how close that is to the actual experience, like the sound that they are giving you the audience. I'd be curious to know that. I don't know if there is a way to know that. I don't think there there's is. probably no way for sure to know, but I'm sure that based on people who have those implants describing it, especially like anyone who like had who hearing had and lost hearing. it very quickly, you know, would, yeah. would have a basis for comparison. Right. But it would be, but it would still be solely based on their description of it. Yeah. Which isn't going to be wouldn't. perfect, but like, right. you know, there's potential for there to be pretty authentic at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's just that that was just crazy to me. I was just kind of curious. I that blows that blows my mind. Like what's actually happening under the hood, mm-hmm. um, so to speak. But uh, that yeah, that's just wild. But uh, yeah, I um, I if it were me, I do think like if I if I would to, if I were to know that going in, I probably would opt not to. Well, listen, if if what he got was the final product, then <laughs> I'd be a little disappointed with my forty to eighty thousand dollars. If they're just saying, hey, this is going to be like this for a few days until your brain gets used to it. And then it's going to be way better this, than this, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Forty to $80,000. Let's talk about that for a second. Sold the sold the, the camper, $26,000. Mm-hmm. Sold all the stuff inside. Another $26,000? Well, it did seem like, you know, like some of the instruments and like, the like the that huge board he had and everything. Like, yeah. That definitely is going to be thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars for sure, but... Was he able to scrape another 26K out of, or like 20K out of what was in the camper? I'm not entirely sure, I, I guess. I mean, I guess yeah. we can find out exactly. And what. it's got to be significantly more than that, right? Because he bought, he paid for the surgery, and then he paid for a plane ticket. Well, that was what got me. I was like, man, he got that, that flight to Europe real quick. Like, I yeah. don't know, like, it seemed like he was well, like, tapped out. Yeah, right? Like, I, I mean, uh, the only th- other thing I can say is, like, you don't get your bill right away. <laughs> so maybe he skipped out on the bill, in which case, then it's just $26,000 for him to gallivant around uh, Paris. Uh, maybe he doesn't go back. Yeah, what, what, what is the hospital going to send someone to yank the implants out of his head in, like, the Czech Republic? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do. I am curious. Do you think for his character, does his character go back to... I don't know the farm. I don't know what you would call it. Where where was he? Like the so place that he was. I I doubt it because I th- think the whole thing was like I don't. Maybe to me it's just I I can't imagine. Maybe I'm falling to the sunk cost fallacy. Could you imagine going through all of that and then like throwing the implants out? Like he's gonna keep wearing them, but maybe he realizes he doesn't need to be wholly reliant on them. Mm, maybe. Um, but like you have them, why would you? not try and make them work, you know? Sure. So, and with that, with that mentality, I don't think he can go back Yeah, to the farm. Uh, that's that's fair. That's that. fair. If, yeah, if that's, if that's the case, I could see that. I will say, uh, going back to this doctor scene, that really pisses us off. Um, she was like, it's almost as if she was like turning a frequency knob, right? So like, why don't we just let him turn it and, <laughs> and try to, and like you say things until it sounds good enough for him to be okay. <laughs> And it, I don't know, just it's silly. It's just my opinion. <laughs> but that the, that the idea of him going back and not going back leads me to to consider the whole thing with, with Paul, and that was a tough scene because oh, he's so broken in that scene. He feels like he 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 feels like he failed. Yeah, and it's heavy. I 
the, if you want to talk about like the close-ups and all and like facial acting, like he crushes it in that scene. Like, yeah, he does. He looks like he's actually falling apart, and like he's trying to be like stern and even a little bit. I don't say vindictive, but like it feels like he's trying to really cuff him about the head and let him know, like, hey, you fucked up, right? But mm. you could see how much the physical cost of that is on himself and the emotional cost of it himself. And I think part of it is he feels betrayed in like the sense of, oh, like we took you in and all that. But I think even more so, I think he feels betrayed because he felt like he was grooming him to replace him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely, it definitely seems to come from a place of he's very protective of the people that, that are willing to be there. And uh, as much as he wants to, is really, as much as he's willing to do the work for those that are resistant up front, he made like he like that was like the ultimate betrayal. I feel like in his eyes, I will say it was a little, the rules were a little confusing. Like, so what? You don't ever get to have your phone ever again. I don't understand this. Uh, no, I think it was more of a, a just like the, the way like a rehab facility would work. Like you're cut okay, off yeah, yeah, until so. you are like ready to be kind of set out again. But also, I don't know. I just it hurt to watch him burn that bridge completely. Like, yeah, it if did. any quote-unquote regular person could empathize and sympathize with them, it would be him. But you think him trying to... I get, like, the whole, you know, we don't view it as a handicap. Great. Great mentality. But for this person, it's it's broken him. And Mm -hmm. he's trying to fix what's broken. And to not be able to ultimately then empathize and sympathize back with him... Mm -hmm. Like that but hurts, that, it, you know. It, it, it does tie in a little bit to. Uh, I, th- there's maybe a couple things that are unsaid that I think will probably have happened, right? Like, uh, I think the more important thing for Joe is uh, he can't allow a person to succumb to their addictive behaviors inside of the walls, and I think that's what's very important. And I do think that without telling you. He did find out, obviously, that the camper was sold. He probably knows that, like, the other person was pulled in, the other character that was pulled in to kind of help him sell some of the stuff. Like, mm-hmm. that was that was starting to cross the line into, oh, uh, they're going into some bad habits that could... And I think that it... I think he really was doing his... What was most important for the rest of the group by cutting out Ruben. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I guess so, but also... Like it's just other- so dam- It could be so damaging to all of them. On the other hand, though, you're throwing him out on the street. Right. And his lowest moment, his, well, his most vulnerable moment, maybe not his mm-hmm. lowest moment, but his most vulnerable moment. He has not a cent to him Yeah, at this point. You know what I mean? And he's got, uh, like, tech on his head that mm-hmm. makes him vulnerable to be preyed upon. Stuff that he doesn't understand how it works yet, and he's still... He's caught now between being able to hear and being deaf, you know, and he's not fully embracing either side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he's broken up emotionally and everything. And yeah. so uh, to me, I'm like, you know, how can how can you do that? Like, I can understand, hey, like you got to leave, but you can't give him a little bit of help on the way out type of thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, how many addicts has he dealt with before that he knows that there is only the two like there's probably only two paths for him sure but the, at least in the, this point though we're talking about an addiction to hearing like not an addiction to actual drugs i don't know yes in the moment but the way that it's manifesting and where it could potentially go i i get it but what i'm saying is this isn't it's you're acting suspiciously have you been secretly using it's 
you came back mm. with the implants in your head. Like we know yeah. where the money went. For sure. You know what I mean? And which is sure. something that's unquestionably good for that person. You know, like it's not it's not drugs, is my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I, mm-hmm. I get what you're saying is like you could fall into those tendencies and that, but like the person came back. Yeah. And is gonna try and make it work. And you know, maybe you'll like I just like, just felt like cruel to kick him out right in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Definitely, Joe is in a tough spot, and it's definitely, it's definitely a gray scene. I do think, like you know, for his character, it makes sense that he he stood his ground. Did it? I think what makes that scene incredibly powerful is that when Ruben says, "All right," and he gets up and walks away, there's a a slight motion. Joe almost almost stops him, and I think that made the whole scene. And then he breaks down. Yeah. Oh, it's this movie's really good. <laughs> <laughs> really well done. Uh, so intense. What else? What else do we got here? Well, I will tell uh, his- you. I, I will tell you. There's one little thing that I, I just found kind of slightly amusing. The movie, movie started, and I think it starts with him playing the drums. Right, that's all we really see is from a couple different angles him playing the drums. Yeah, as, as they get into a song, right, and they show her in profile, and I was like, is that the girl from? Ready Player One? <laughs> sure is. And I was like, I don't know, maybe not. And then like it comes back around, like after the song's over, and like you see her. I was like, that is her. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just that you, you probably would have noticed sooner if ninety percent of that movie she didn't look like a CGI hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> she looked more like Sonic in the Oasis than Sonic did in the original trailer. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, was just that Samantha? No, that was her name in the in Ready Player One. Olivia, Olivia Cook. Yeah. Um, Cook? Cook? Cook, I believe, yes. Cook? Um, <laughs> I had to. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, she she delivers too. Like the two of them together, I they were very believable as a couple. Yeah. They, they had a great chemistry. Um, and this is like a really subtle thing, but that she that scene where she scratches her arm at the end right before they break up like that was so natural i thought they like i don't know like if they like how many times they had to do a take like that or if maybe that's like a tick that they that she actually has that they kind of leaned into mm. that would be interesting but like it felt very real yeah i was like i was i was kind of i was impressed by how nor how natural all of that seemed yep yep i agree but i also love the uh another Great interaction. The uh, her dad, Lou's dad, and Ruben eating together at the table, and like that that, that speech is pretty good. Heavy, um, and I really, I was really rooting for Ruben to get like super involved with like the kids and like in the camp because like it seemed like he was actually finding his place there for a moment. Yes, but he he spirals out when he when he sneaks in to use the computer and sees Lou doing her performance. Like if if he doesn't get it, if that door is locked and he doesn't get in there, does the does this play out differently? Like significantly more different? I'm Probably. Not sure. Yeah. I mean, well, you, it have does to, see- you have to figure that eventually he's going to get to that computer. Probably. I, it feels like though, like everything that happens in in the character's life is very like it's. I feel like they lean into like place and time, otherwise completely different, right? Like. Lou and Ruben meet each other at the moment in time and in their lives when they need each other the most and they get themselves out of a dark situation, right? Mm-hmm. However, if they were to meet, I don't know, three <coughs> years earlier, is it, it's, it's probably I, like, I, where are their maturity levels at at that point? Like, do they, they, maybe they don't last and maybe they spiral and maybe they, like, maybe Lou kills herself and Ruben 
ODs. Like I feel like the, the way that it all plays out, like their entire story, the time frame at which each thing is happening is like perfectly in line where like if it was to bounce a little bit out of on either side, it could potentially catastrophically ruin everything about their lives. Yeah. It's really fascinating. Like I feel like it's just like a perfectly fit together puzzle. Wow. Yeah, I can see that. I thought a real sweet scene. Uh, well, for <laughs> a couple things, sweet scene when he's starting to get along with the people at the farm that I don't know what else to call it. That's what it felt like uh, at the farm. And like they're the, when they're all communicating over dinner, like I love how like as a as the viewer, you feel on the outside because they do a similar thing with it's 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 70 percent Riz Ahmed's facial expressions and his acting in those scenes. And then. 30% what they're doing with the audio and the camera work. And then like they, they are both, they work that so well to the point where like you start to feel comfortable in the room, but you're like, you're sitting alongside the character. It's really cool how I, they do that. I, say, I will say, I think obviously it was intentional that we only get um, subtitles once or twice and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so most of it, we experienced the way he would, where he doesn't understand the sign language he can't hear. So even when once or twice someone like actually says something like if he's not looking at that little computer screen, which was really cool, by the way, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, he doesn't really understand what's going on. And so we don't really understand what's going on. But for me personally, bringing my own baggage to that scene, it reminded me of watching a quiet place without the subtitles. Oh my God. And I, was just like, <laughs> I started to get that like panic of, Oh God, no, they're not going to do the rest of the movie like this. Are they? <laughs> I was like, um, I can't do this again. <laughs> that's amazing that you did that. I love that. Oh, I hate that. Uh, uh, I love that he made the tattoo. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah. And that, that whole that whole thing while he's drawing it and the conversation that they're having was really funny. Yes. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I was, I was worried for a second. So when he goes to the school and he's meeting the kids the first time and um, the teacher likes, like is showing him how to say my name is... And uh, she writes her name on the board and she has him do it. And he, when he writes his name in that ridiculous way that he writes it, I started to get the hint. And then when uh, he seemed to panic a little bit when Joe was telling him, I want you to sit in the room and write. And then until you can be still. And then when you can't be still, continue writing. I was like, can he not write? <laughs> I, no, like legitimate, legitimately, I was I was curious. Because like there is, I've, I have heard of like situations where like a person can do a tag like that, right? Cause it's, it's, it's more artistry. It's drawing. Um, it's a different part of like your brain. Yeah. And I was curious if that's where it came down to. And then when you look at the way that he's writing, it almost does seem that way. Like maybe he's not able to really write well. Um, but huh. uh, I don't think that it was really, if that was the case, they didn't lean into it that heavily, but yeah. uh, the, it was more so that he couldn't he couldn't quiet his mind at all. He was very wrapped up. And uh, well, when he did his first writing of his name on the board, I just assumed that was like just oh, I'm a rock star. This is my artistic yeah. take on that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I didn't really get that out of that per se. But I, mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, he wrote that. He wrote on the <laughs> those are Z's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Rude up>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, uh, but when he goes into the room and he uh, he writes, he only writes once. I feel like that one time he's like really scribbling hard on the paper. Uh, I was super uncomfortable when he destroyed that donut, and then when he put it back together, I was like, "What? What are you? 
what are you gonna do? And then, and then he, he smashed it again. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they show that donut who's boss. <laughs> yeah, that was a very odd specific um, choice in that moment. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it was more odd. Uh, Kim pointed out. He, I told her, I was like, you know what's really making me anxious while we're watching it is the fact that that donut is just on a table right now. Not under like, why a, is it not, a napkin or something. I was like, yeah, not on a napkin, not on a plate. And Kim goes, even worse, it was on a plate, and he took it off the plate. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that was a good movie. Uh, I haven't, I, I, up for awards makes sense. Yes. I think his performance was really good. I thought that that the performances um, for Joe and um, the hell was her name? Lou. Lou. That's right. I thought they mm-hmm. the their act those actors were, were very strong as well. I thought. I mean, I have to imagine this is going to get like a sound editing like Oscar. It's got to right. Um, like I said, I would lean towards. I get. I, mean, I guess camera work would be under cinematography, and not that mm-hmm. like, there's like a lot of like, cool like visuals per se. But I really dug the times where they chose to go handheld camera because I feel like that makes things super like casual and intimate. And it feels like you're kind of like wandering around with them in the, the moments when they're doing it, like when he's kind of spinning out and like, you're basically following him and it feels like someone's walking there, following him, watching him go through and do that. And I thought like, not, not just the close up part of which we already talked about, but just that it feels casual in a way that 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 again pulls you into to to experience it alongside him like you know it feels like you're in that with him like you can feel like that charged energy coming off of him of you know his world is breaking around him and he doesn't know how to control or react or process what's going on and like you want to like reach out and like grab him and be like no it's like it's gonna be okay like but like you can't but it feels like you're being brought like within arm's reach to be able to yeah I, I, as, I'm sorry if I if you saw me chuckle or if it came through on the audio, but when you said the way the camera was following him, watching him, the way that you you rattle it off really quickly, and it sounded like the line in Wedding Crashes when he said "needing you, wanting you, taking you," and he <laughs> stares at her. <laughs> uh, such a ridiculous movie. Uh, but yeah, Sound of Metal, <laughs> solid, solid flick. <laughs> Any other notes? Uh, no, I think I got them all. Nice. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Flicks in a Six. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have a movie for us to review or nuggets for us to discuss, you can send those requests to flicksinasix at thespintune.com or tweet us at thespintune. Tune in next week for more movie and beer goodness. Until then, I'm Anthony Costanzo. I'm Al Bielsi. Thanks for coming out.